This is for the nerds. This is for the brainiacs. This is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back. You ain't gonna touch me. You're not gonna do nothing. You are not above me. I bet you wish you was me. I know it. I know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Only Friends podcast. Our first episode post World Series. It's all over. (laughs) Ten and a half months, we'll do it all over again. I'm a fucking loser, man. Amen. Go on. I lost. Same. Dan O'Brien won. (laughs) Bill Perkins won again. Wow. Fucking Bill Perkins gets richer. I know. I had a sweat, man. I had a sweat. The only sweat I had left was to win either the 5K freeze out, uh, the 500 bracelet, or the circuit. To then play the Tournament of Champions today, <laughs> to then win the bracelet live, to win the bet. Oh, uh, I got 44th in the uh, 500 Summer Saver, but unfortunately my summer was not saved. Same. Not this time. Mm. Have you learned anything? Yeah. <laughs> you keep fucking trying, man. Yeah. You gotta get, it's sometimes, you know, like you gotta get a win. Does Perkins get the eight learned? to one next year? Huh? Man. Does Perkins get the eight to one next year? No, I was I was operating under some bad pretenses. Okay. So when I first made the bet, I was asking about generic bracelet odds, but I didn't specify that I wanted like no limit only. Because no limit only is way different than mixed games. Yeah. Right? So I got some information on what normal bracelet bets are for like winning one if you play a full schedule and you also play mix. And the number is around six to seven to one. Uh, maybe even counting online too, but they're playing mixed games where there's less people in the field and not one of the higher variance games you can play, such as No Limit Tournaments. No Limit Tournaments are fucking wild, man. We talked about this a lot. We talk about our, our ups and downs, our ins and outs of, you can just be a 75% ROI player and lose for three years. Yeah. What, do you the, think, what do you think the proper odds, odds are on winning a bracelet? The proper odds on winning a bracelet in like a one one series online or not online like the bet that i had basically. online okay call it online too i'd probably say i'd say like 12 to 1 12 to 15 to 1 i well, think it's 15 to 20 uh, i'll give you the 12 to 1 right now <laughs> I think if, you, if you want to keep yeah. making bad bets at least fucking lose some money to me we're friends <laughs> I mean, I would... 12 to 1 is yours you got it 20 sounds right 20 to 1 with online seems like a little... I think... Oh, with per- online? That, well, yeah, still. With, yeah, I think 20 They're to 1... They're massive fields. I think, Not the 5,300. They only had 250 people. Sure, like, but, sure, but, so you know... It's a tough... 250 people in a high roller. Yeah, like, really that's a tough yeah. field. It kind of depends. that's like 16 Mark Herms. <laughs> Shout out to the anonymous account that won the 5,300 yesterday. Yeah, no really? one knows who the fuck that guy is. What yeah. was it? A guy with like Who 50k in earnings on, in, on the His listings on Poker News is quote unquote screen name. Yeah. W- what's the screen name do we know? Uh, for the 500, it was someone named Baby Legs. No, <laughs> not the, fi- the 5k, right? Uh, the 5k was someone else. Uh, they have a name for him. Oh. They have an account. Oh, okay. uh, but the guy is like one 50k in, like, in live earnings. And like mm. a 50k guy probably isn't playing a uh, tough 5300 freeze out online. Um, uh, maybe. Maybe. It's possible. Maybe he's sad he didn't. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Satellite. Shout out to the satellite winners. Yeah. Did you guys you guys both uh, played it? We I did. played, I doubled up the first orbit, and I was dead. Did you have any reservations of playing it, knowing yes. that you might be getting cheated? Uh, yeah. I, I, we talked about this a lot. Uh, I, for a long time, was like not playing the high rollers on WSOP because I was just too aware of the account buying that was going on. Yeah. Um, but like when the field's 250 people, 
you delude yourself into thinking, well, it doesn't even matter mm-hmm. if there are multiple accounts in there. Yeah. But the reality is, is like, it probably just starts to hit a greater scale, right? Like if there's 250 <laughs> accounts in there, now they're not buying like one or two accounts. They're buying five to ten. Je- yeah. You saw Jeremy Austin's tweet, right? I think he tweeted something about, like getting this correct, where he, um, he said that, the, that with everything that's going on, he's, he's going to skip those events. Those, I mean, he's smart. High, those high roller online events until like we can like at least you know. Yeah, prove he's who sharp. Everybody on, is or, I, I think yeah. I think collectively we probably all should. Yeah. It's the easiest thing in the world to boycott. Right. Um, right. You just don't play. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. And, and I mean, Osmus is is smart. Like he's tapped in. He's in the mm-hmm. know. He knows what's going on. A lot of this is happening specifically in the Vegas market and the New Jersey market. It's like we all know who the bad actors are. We know what they're doing. And there's really nothing to do to police it. Like yeah. if if somebody wants to sell their account and hop on a phone call with the person who bought it and just click the buttons that they tell them to click for an entire tournament, like what are you going to do to police that, man? Right. Yeah. You know? Nothing. Some Not stuff much. is uh, unpoliceable, but still, shout out to Mike for getting third. Yep. A respectable score, young man. I, I, t- I was watching. I was just kind of sweating. Uh, uh, Jamie's uh, 215.6 max and then uh, the 5k because I just like the pain and just want to see who won the tournament that I really wish I did. Uh, and Mike got third. He was still in there. And, Corey made yeah. a run. Corey made a run. He got 16th, I believe. Yeah. 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 Sad because he, he was up there in chips. He, I think he was like two. Yeah, uh, it's so funny because yeah. <laughs> I got 19th in the first 5k online and it didn't even feel like it was a sweat. Corey got 16th, and I felt like he was like a hand away from winning it, mm-hmm. which is like so different when you're when you're actually playing it versus when versus you're watching, watching it. it, right? Because yeah. like you know when you're playing it, like 16 is a long, long ways away when it comes to like the average stack in the 5300 being probably somewhere around 30 to 40 bigs and online, like it goes fast but also moves slow because you're probably playing more hands online if everyone's like playing reasonable, like reasonably paced mm-hmm. than you are in like an orbit. Uh, or like a level live, mm. right? Because like you're probably playing like 20 hands a level, which... No, more than that. Maybe in more, yeah, in more the than, hour yeah. level is more than Especially that. in like a six max type of format too. Yeah. Like you're, you're playing a lot of hands. Um, but yeah, you just know that it's a long, long way away from the tournament being over. That, the tournament ended at like 3 a.m. And Yeah. Corey busted at like 11.30. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it looks like Gianluca Speranza in my house won the 53. Oh, Yes, he's very good. Yeah, uh, he and I battled hard on the bubble of the main event last year. He was to my left and had me out chipped. <laughs> of and, course he did. It's like was, your favorite situation to be in, Bert. He was, he was very certain that I cared about the bubble. <laughs> Little did I was you know. You did in, not. I was all in four times and I had 70 bigs. <laughs> I was... I was there. I mean, the rest of the table was literally sitting out. Like, yeah, they were just... Uh, yeah. they, were, they were not in, interested in playing at all. They wanted, Except they wanted, for this one guy to my right who also had a pile. Poor, poor bastard. He was a wreck. He probably had like 80 bigs or so. Uh, I had like 70-ish and was covered uh, um, by Sprenza. And he and I are like going to war. Honestly, he was sharp about it too. It wasn't like he just like three bet me to death. He would like three bet me one and six opens and then just flat call the rest of them like he showed up in a in a, in a single raised pot where i opened under the gun and he was in middle position with ace king suited 
And I'm just like, okay, we're playing the game. I see how this is going to work. Mm -hmm. uh, we got the show on tables, ace, king, suited. I'm just like, what the fuck? Are we playing the same game? Right. Yeah. So um, I think that this wreck kind of like saw this battle ensuing and realized that like he had a lot of chips too and that he should make some chips on the bubble. Oh, no. He should get in the mix. Right. So, what a disaster for this poor bastard. <laughs> he just like found himself defending a three bet with utter trash I don't, like jack 10 off or something like mm. that and just like going to war post getting wrecked clipped all the way down to like 25 bigs and oh. then found a spin where he just like he called somebody off i think like kings versus uh whatever to double yeah and then was a little bit more mindful about how he's putting chips in the middle but right it, it i'm was, not gonna do that again yeah it was kind of a funny scenario to watch because it was like he was clearly the guy who was giving it away yeah uh, the second that he decided, like, oh, I'm going to try to make chips on the bubble. Right. It was like, bro, your left is solid right now. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. They, like, we, we are here to print, and yeah. we don't care about going home. And when you get down to that 25 bigs, you're going to care about yeah. going home a it's lot. Like, it's like trying to play a game of chicken with someone that you know will not move. <laughs> somebody who's literally not going to move. Yeah, somebody's literally detached the steering wheel and threw it out exactly. the window. It's like, oh, like, your car can steer? Like... No, I, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was fun. He's a good player. Congrats to him for uh, winning the 5300 and the bracelet. Yep. Uh, are we on for this 12 to 1? or? Uh, I'll have to do <laughs> Bro, I was trying to get 20 to 1, and I'm happy I didn't 20 get 20 to 1 for online and live seems like a lot. You make it sound like these if online playing, bracelets well, are super no, no, winnable, no, but man. This is like, I'm, I'm assuming if you're playing the high rollers, like the 100K, the 250K, yeah, the 50K... Not. Right. And neither are you. Well, we got a year. You know, we'll see. We'll see how things <laughs> go. You know, if I do make up, we'll, we'll find out. Don't don't worry about okay. it. Okay. Well, you know, it. within the realm of reason. Yeah. So within, uh, if, if you're, you're only playing like if you're playing the 25k's and under, and you're playing everything live, you probably get like true fair odds somewhere between 18 to 20 to one. Yeah. That I think seems that's, around reasonable. I think but if you're bummer. playing the high rollers and you like, let's say you're like a very winning high roller player, like you're like best like one of the top five in the world, like not talking about myself here. Like if I were going to lay like an Adamo, a bracelet bet. Yeah. And he, and he said to me, like, I want 12 to one. Wait, I'd be like, no way. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's way different, man. He's like playing 40, 42 man fields that he's well, already demonstrated. He's winning at. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like adding in the hundred K plus is a huge massive. difference. Yeah. When you're talking about playing a field of sub 50. Yeah, you're playing a field of like 70, 70 and under, 75 and under. I mean, the, the 250K was, what, 41 runners? I don't know. Yeah. I thought the, it was a little more. The 100K was like 70 runners. Like, yeah. You know, th these are very, very small, right. quote-unquote winnable fields. Well, it's, the 25K heads up is like also pretty winnable too. Yeah, you say that, it's, but is I, it? Yeah, there's only 64 people, so like raw odds are you winning I mean, 1.6%. It's, right? it's still winning six heads up matches. It is winning six heads that's, up matches. It's hard to a, do. You got to basically win six weighted coin flips, and some of them might not even be weighted in your favor. True. Gino did it. Who did? Gino. Gino won the Poker mm -hmm. Go heads up. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Smith won the bracelet this year. Summer of Dan. Wait, how many? How many people were in the Poker Go one? Same amount. It wasn't thirty-two. Oh, you're right. It might have been thirty-two. I think it was thirty-two. No, you're right. It was thirty-two. Yeah. yeah. So he won five. Dan won six. Yeah. Summer Still, of Dan. Yeah, it's impressive. Dan yeah. O'Brien wins. God bless them. Dan Zach wins. Dan Smith wins. I lose. Oh, that's right. Dan Smith won the heads up. I don't know why I thought it was a open event. 
It was not. It was an open event. No, I mean like, uh, well, it's it's a capped event. Yeah, it's capped. Uh, yeah, I meant just like an open field event. I got gotcha. you. Um, man, the lull has set in. What? A lot of crazy shit happened this weekend, by the way. Yeah, oh, it did. You ain't uh, wild. I, all of, all of this happened before the the nonsense on the strip took place, but uh, like earlier that day. So there was this long meme. I, I didn't even pull up the tweets on it, but there was this long meme. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen. Maybe John Stewart did something on it, or not John Stewart. Uh, John Oliver, I think. Jimmy he did Fallon, a piece on this. Jimmy Fallon, the comedic Jimmy genius. Fallon's <laughs> your favorite guy. comedian, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> uh, I think I think John Oliver uh, did a piece on this on last week. Uh, last week tonight, where it was something about fentanyl and how the police were pretending or were taught basically that uh, it could kill you through touch, uh-huh. which like isn't true. Mm-hmm. And he was like showing this piece where like they were, uh, they were like pulling a car over or whatever, opening the trunk and there was fentanyl in there and like the cop just like faints. Yep. Like just all this like <laughs> wild stuff, right? I think I did see that. So there was this car chase. Uh, I think there were actually two of them and the the first one that i don't have a clip of was like this car zooming around a college campus like evading uh authorities or whatever Mm -hmm. and i guess he was like throwing baggies out the window uh the internet made a whole meme of it and uh they were saying there was fentanyl or whatever and like it looks like it looks like mario kart like he's zooming (laughs) around and every time a baggie like hits the ground like (laughs) <laughs> like the cars like diverge yeah and so it's like you know this this massive poison or whatever so they're basically <laughs> saying like uh you know uh I, I was there was like all these memes going on about it like uh you know my 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 dog was sick or whatever uh and i bent down to pick up this rock and it turned out it was fentanyl and i died <laughs> um things like this but then there was an actual police chase uh that we do have a clip of I-25 at uh, like two and a half Parkway minutes. almost was caught by the officers. They were trying to join the highway. This Goes southbound on Peoria. Here on Peoria, dives around. Look there at 64th Avenue. Nearly hit some other cars. And this is where I thought he was going to get caught. He ended up in a little parking lot area here that is really a no-man's land near about 69th Avenue. He decides to go up into the grass over the curb there. And he can see there's no restrictions right through the little fence and then down the embankment and on to I-76. So that's how he was able to escape the the side streets and then get back up on the highway this is where he was going on i-76 for a while stops this is where he carjacks that family the the couple he gets uh, the driver's door open gets the driver out the passenger she jumps out of the car right now and then goes to the side and this is when he has that gold uh, minivan and then drives away back going the wrong way on i-76 nearly hitting look at that semis police officers they try to get the stop sticks out and throw it across the highway but unfortunately they missed and he almost missed hitting a few cars this is later on after he drove on e-470 after he hit that state trooper he now tries to get out of the car and tries to carjack that guy in the uh, in the uh, in the in the BMW, he then bumps that black car, hits this lady. This is the next car that he carjacks when he just got off of Peoria, just south of E470. He pretends that hey, I just hit you. I'm in an accident. What's going on? And he gets up to the uh, woman's door. He opens it up and then rips her out, throws her to the ground, and then takes her car. 
and then continues on his uh, on his wild chase. I was scared right there. I thought, let it go. Just let the car go. Don't go chasing after the car. She, he then comes into the intersection right here at Peoria and Lincoln Avenue, where he causes that accident. The car is undrivable. He jumps out, almost trapped. He wanted to get into that car there and take it again, but he was unable to because of the Douglas County deputy there. And now he's on foot, running through the uh, front yard of that bank. He goes around the bank, slips and falls on the snow, loses his jacket, and eventually goes over to a fence where he can't get through anymore and this is where the officers eventually get him without any other resistance which was thankful news so a very scary chase that lasted about 45 minutes or so this morning and thankfully it didn't uh, turn out worse than it could have as <laughs> he just falls that that news reporter is the John Madden of police chases. <laughs> is that how you feel like your your world series went or <laughs> yeah yeah effectively <laughs> is, that, uh, is that what that was I, I think I think it really does represent a lot of of what happened uh, this this summer. But uh, I, I I find it remarkably entertaining to watch these things play out because, like, I don't know, man. You watch movies and you know it's fake, so you kind of root for the villain type of thing. <laughs> but like in this instance, it's like I know it's real, but I also know that there's gonna be like very little harm done in watching this idiot try to get away uh well and, i mean very little harm is relative baby yeah <laughs> i mean he's driving down the, down the highway yeah. the wrong way like someone could easily get i killed. mean you hope for very for absolutely it's, it's, no harm yeah whatever i mean obviously I'm, but i get your point we get well lots in this man is a complete guilty pleasure <laughs> like, right also just, <laughs> did this like clip just surface like because this is obviously not yeah recent. just like randomly went viral yeah. um it it's it's wild because we as a viewer do not experience the real-time emotions of people potentially involved. Yeah. Right? Because like, if that becomes real, like it becomes getting, a completely different change and... in mind, like mindset, mind shift. Like if you're in the moment and you're driving and you see this guy driving yeah. at you, it you're terrified. You like, your I, yeah, yeah, obviously it's not funny to the car to the people who got carjacked. Of course. It's like only that, funny like... to the objective watchers of like what is going on, like how is this going to end? Well, it's it's funny in it's funny in a nameless, faceless kind of way. Like if right. you could script this for a movie scene, it, it's funny at like how inept they are at catching him, and yeah. how like you could just hear the cartoony music playing in the background. Where it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, him just constantly evading and getting away and, and things like that. Yeah, but yeah. I I often wonder like what's going through the head of somebody who is trying to evade police like this because you. The old saying is you can't outrun a radio. Right, exactly. Right, so it's just or like a helicopter, which would they have. Right, which on is them. now even greater yeah. technology. It's like this helicopter is just chilling above you. Like, yeah. where are you going, where are you going, man? Where are you going to go? Like, what are you doing? You're kind yeah. of just like, we see you. making a scene here. Right, but they're in the moment. You, obviously, this person is not thinking rationally, right? No, they're no, not, of they're course. Just, they're just like, I'm just going to keep running into. I think if he I had maybe gone into a sewer or something underground, that is, would be the move. I mean, there has to be people who have gotten away from the police before, right? Yeah. It just oh, yeah. has to be like small town, rural America. There was one in LA where they just gave up. Like they just instructed them to like stop chasing. Oh yeah, guy. because that was dangerous. It, got, it was getting really dangerous. Yeah, and so long, they just were like, like, yeah, right, when just you're, let them go. Yeah, when you're putting but the public in California, danger. But also California like lets people steal and stuff. Like the years allowed to do crime there. So. Yeah, I think it was like, <laughs> I want to say like 13 or 14 on like Halloween and we just there's a group of five of us, and we got into a full-out chase, 
and we were running through backyards and stuff and stuff like that, and we got away somehow. Yeah. I don't know, but it was great. <laughs> very, so very thrilling. So I sent Guapo the the thread that I initially was looking at about the fentanyl stuff. Uh, I can't find the video that was was with it, but apparently, like all of this is surfacing because there's some sort of statement or whatever coming out of the Biden camp uh, about like a war against fentanyl uh, and things of that nature, and. Uh, it seems as though like some misinformation was being spread uh, politically, which is why the internet does what the internet does. Right. Turns everything into a goddamn meme. Yeah. Which, Welcome to the internet. It's funny because it's like when, <laughs> when, when you're trying to have a serious conversation and everything turn, devolves into a meme, it's very frustrating, right? But when somebody says something out of pocket and it's just absurd and the internet turns it into a meme, I'm here for the jokes. That's funny. Yeah. I'm here for the jokes. Like, yeah, like, meme this guy all day long uh it, it's crazy that basically i think it's like i think a lot of the stuff that that got by pre-internet like during the reagan era uh, imagine like the war on drugs getting declared now yeah right like you just can't because yeah. Bro, so much misinformation needs to be like so much fear-mongering needs to be utilized mm -hmm. in order I'm to get Bro, people the, in a rally the cry internet made a meme of the war on drugs commercial after it's already been over yeah, like, yeah. The, it's like this is your brain and it's clean. Like yeah. this is your brain on drugs. It's all like I've Eggs. seen. I've seen even I've seen that. Even he is Landon. <laughs> I've seen that, that, wasn't and people that just, old. Yeah. Like that was on TV when we were alive. No, nah, it was like eighty-seven. Landon was there. Not. Were versions of it though, like the girl on the couch and her dog is like, "You never walk me anymore." Oh, <laughs> I kind of I vaguely remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, the it's early 80s were the like the big push for these commercials. There were mm -hmm. two specifically that stick out in my head. It's the one Landon's referencing, which were, uh, it, it was an egg. So it was just a whole egg. And it yeah, goes, and this is your it. brain. And then they take the egg and they crack it and crack put it in a skillet. And yeah, they go, this frying, is your brain on, on drugs. drugs. <laughs> they showed us that in school in D.A.R.E. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and then the other one that like, yeah, here it is. Um, what, what was that supposed to convey? I'm just hungry. And it's fry your brain. I know, it looks like a brain. good egg. Yeah, it's like flip it. <laughs> like, let's busted. go. Um, the other one that... It, it actually resonated with me as a kid, but it's because I was like four when it came out. And That's it's like, why oh, drugs it. are bad, okay? Yeah, but like you don't need to really convince four-year-olds that drugs are bad. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard of a sell. You start early with the fried uh, egg, you know. Um, but when you really want to indoctrinate someone, you got to start young. That's true. Hey, that's that's very fair. But the the one with the weed, where the kids in his room playing video games or whatever, and the dad comes in with the box, <laughs> and everybody from you, dad. everybody had those boxes too. Like I remember, my parents had them. They were like old cigar boxes, and it was always nefarious shit that was stored in there. It was either yeah. gonna be like drugs or porn or like you know coins that NSFW <laughs> stuff, coins. whatever nefarious coins. Here well, it is. Here you know, it is. Like, stolen like, yeah, the balloons that they stole. <laughs> this is great. What is this? What is this? Where did you learn this? That I learned it by watching you. That literally <laughs> happened to me. My mom came in with my box yeah. and was like, what is this? <laughs> that I just think exact it's so, scene happened to me. It's so funny that it was weed. Like, there was a crack epidemic going on. Why is it weed? Gateway drug. Because yeah, it's a gateway drug, man. Yeah. You start doing weed and you start doing crack. Yeah, I can't do weed. Right, Conrad? Honestly, yeah. like, 
<laughs> yeah, Corona is a prime example of weed not being a gateway drug. No, that's true. What are you talking about? Corona does all the drugs. The people <laughs> do all the drugs. Conrad does nothing that is not natural. Right. You know? That's true. Weed. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Conrad Shrooms? only does natural drugs. Oh, yeah. That ketamine, it just grows on trees. <laughs> when ketamine. does he do ketamine? ketamine? I didn't, maybe you'll. Three weeks of ketamine, but like that was. I think you said three weeks ago. <laughs> <That's not laughs> Honestly, like I'm a very That's spurty person. Bad. You I know, thought there were ketamine treatments. There's only there a are. few things that I would do on a all legal drugs is what Conrad does. Yes. All legal exactly. drugs, shrooms and weed. The yeah. the good stuff. I, I, I they went about it all wrong. The the easiest PSA against weed. Would just be to find like some fat slob with McDonald's on his chest, yeah. his belly hanging out, <laughs> and like his dick in his hand. Yeah. Just be that like, is this exactly is my life. What we look like. <laughs> yeah, like, they should have done that. Like that's the PSA. <laughs> Strive well, for the more. The problem is they tell you, like they would tell us, oh, if you do mushrooms, you're gonna kill yourself because you'll think you can fly and jump off a, a roof. Well, and then you once can you fly. find out that you can fly and so that's false, <laughs> you will not you'll not you won't fall. Like you'll fly. But <laughs> the problem is once you find out that's a lie, then you're like, oh well then all of it's a yeah. lie. So well, yeah, yeah. wow. Well that was a good slogan, Matt. Strive for more. <laughs> I, I, listen. That's your that's your PSA Nancy for Reagan. Not doing drugs. Strive for more. Strive Matt for more. Berkey. Yeah, look, I, I got you. Strive for more Academy. Yeah. Uh, I'm here. Like <laughs> I, I'm I'm drug free my entire life. I've never tried anything and I've never drank I still or think smoke a drug. <laughs> <laughs> I have never drank or done a drug. I, it's a very fun fact. All of that so said fun. all of that said, I still think like it's absurd the way it was campaigned against. I think that it's completely unreasonable. Whatever. It's like, so I, funny, I the kid who won like the like when you had to write an essay about like being drug free and stuff and then you'd like the winner would like present it in front of the whole grade and like the kid who won it just ended up like going to rehab in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Downside. Down real bad. Downside. Sorry, right, he's fine. Yeah. Oh man. Um so you had quite the experience this weekend. I did. Oh man. I, I did. was driving down to the strip at I don't know, 11 p.m. on Saturday night. 11, 11.30, call it. Trying to cash out my TBIC and... And the summer. And hang it up for the summer. Call hang it quits. It didn't have the heart for the 5K turbo. Uh, you didn't play the 5K at all? No. Oh, didn't. I thought you just dusted it, but no. I guess you just didn't even play it. Wow. Didn't have the heart. Uh, but you were still there. You I was. just busted the 10K6 max. I did. And as I was approaching the strip, three helicopters zoomed over my head a dozen ambulances blew by me and there must have been a thousand cars in standstill traffic. Yep. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I just turn around. Of course, I look at Twitter and there were claims that shots had been fired by uh, an unidentified gunman. Yep. At MGM was the initial claim. Mm -hmm. Then it was New York, New York. Then it, it was, was alleged Cosmo. to be Cosmo. Then Bally's. And then I heard there was Literally every casino. Okay, so when there is like a potential threat like this, they alert all the casinos. So I'm sure that word gets out quick and fast and people are scared and just run from where they're going to the next building and kind of just start a panic. 
right? Because yeah. they're just, they just see a stampede of people running at you. So like screaming shooter. Well, all right. So I think a little bit of this is due to the potential spread of misinformation. So when the, when the um, Mandalay Bay incident happened in 2018 17 17 yeah uh where the gunman opened fired on the the outdoor concert yeah there was a crowd uh yeah. this didn't happen at the other casinos there was no there was no mass panic beyond the south portion of the strip right? gotcha mm -hmm. okay uh and it's because the information was known yeah there was no mystery about it right yeah like yeah. there was it was clear that there was a, a shooter and he had been targeting this, this particular crowd. Um, in this particular instance, it seemed as though there was not much known at all. And, uh, you know, prior to there being panic in Paris and Bally's, it had probably been 20 minutes since poker Twitter itself had started sharing that there was, um, or that they were speculating that there was a shooter at either MGM or New York, New York. Yeah. So, in this instance, I'm surprised that the panic carried over to the World Series just due to the fact that uh, there had to be a fair amount of people who were already on Twitter seeing that this was happening at New York, New York, and Paris. Yeah. Now, the reason why it makes sense to me that it did carry through and cas had this cascading effect is because... So I, I saw a lot of takes where it was, this is so sad to be in America because this is our response now. We're, we're conditioned this way type of thing. Yeah. But I think that that's not the right take. In, in reality, I don't think that this is a reaction to mass shootings, right? I think that this is much more a reaction to Las Vegas, more so than almost any other city in the United States outside of perhaps New York City, is uh, going to be a top target for a terrorist attack. So the idea that there would be coordinated shootings at six, seven, eight, nine different strip casinos isn't that far-fetched. Right. Right? And that wouldn't be what you would see in all these other incidences of school shootings or mosque shootings or nightclub shootings or whatever the case may be, right? Like, isolated. those are usually lone assailants that are isolated to a, a specific area. Right. The idea that there could potentially be six to 12 gunmen spread out all throughout the strip isn't that far-fetched when you start to think along the lines of terrorism, right? And Vegas is obviously, uh, because it's so condensed to this tiny little area, similar to Manhattan, right? Like, that's why New York is probably more of a target than L.A. L.A. is big, but it's also spacious, and, uh, you know, the, the, the targets, so to yeah. speak, aren't as clear. In New York, it's like, well, we have the finance district, we have the, the World Trade Center, we have these very important buildings that, that have some sort of uh, meaning to them. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think it's a combination of both, right? Sure. Because, like, yeah. because yes, uh, you don't know what was in the minds of everybody running. Like, there's a lot of people maybe that initially thought that, right? Like, oh, maybe this, like, thought in the lines of this is terrorism and there, there's a coordinated attack. But, you know, that might have only been a handful of people, and then the rest of the people see people running, oh, and yeah, they immediately yeah. of, think, of course, of right, course. they had word of the know at all. The actual so, like, stampede is obviously a reaction to a reaction. Reaction to a reaction, right. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's, and that's and obvious. People in their mind are thinking, mass shooter, oh my God, this yeah, is happening and, here. And, and, yeah, every, I'm sure that they think there's that There's no one the person problem. that probably played poker at, you know, at the World Series this year and thought, this is a possibility. We're in a, we're in a very 
you know, well-known place with a lot of people in an enclosed area, like, like it just goes through your mind. Then that's that is the world we live in. Well, right we just now. Know, yeah, we know it's not zero right percent. Yeah. Um, but good. No, I would like to see like more training for like this for like like security guards and stuff. If you watch the video in the Aria one, there there's security guards ushering people out like in panic. Like it's not. It should be. Well, uh, I think it has less to do with the staff and more to do with um, the way casinos are laid out. There aren't very clear escape routes. There aren't obvious emergency exits. Um, you know, if you're a patron, especially if you've been drinking or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, well, to Conrad's point, I think that's what he means. Like, it, it is like that. So there should be more training so people, they know how to move people to a certain area if they have to. Well, the, ideally, like, you don't want to, you don't want to require you don't want to require a sheepdog to herd people. Right. Right. Yeah. You want people to be able to just navigate themselves. Right. But the problem with most casino layouts is they're very like the way that they, their, their funnel and flow is set up is to be very circular in nature and funnel people to the middle right. where they gamble. Yes. So it's, it's kind of tricky in the sense that business wise, they're not all that incentivized to point you to the exits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that becomes really problematic in this particular instance. Uh, and I guess secondarily, it's like, well, if you just, make it obvious what your uh what your security plans are or your escape plans or whatever the case may be it's not that hard to to thwart if you yeah. are interested in killing a lot of people right yeah. like if you know where all the emergency exits are then you guard them or whatever the case may be yeah. like you funnel people towards them and mow them down there but uh what i think what i think most of the public don't understand and i don't even know to the to the depths at which this is is true but um, I do have some inclination that this is the case. There is a a well of depth in this particular city when it comes to anti-terrorism uh, and you know basically snuffing out any potential threats prior to them ever <laughs> manifesting. Uh, so it really does take like one-off type scenarios like what we saw with uh, the 2017 Mandalay Bay incident where somebody's just flying completely under the radar, they're acting on their own accord, mm-hmm. uh, they don't really seem to have any bigger agenda, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, I think the counterterrorism here is pretty high, and, right. and the alerts are pretty high, and I imagine New York City is very similar. I imagine LA, like places that are potential big-time targets, right? right? Um, so I, I do think that, by and large, we're safe, uh, but to Conrad's point, we become very unsafe in a potential disaster or a potential false alarm like what we saw when a mass exodus occurs. Yeah, I mean, it's every was man right in the middle of it. I don't know if you want to yeah. talk about it. Yeah, like- sure. Um, it was one of these things where when I would hear things on the news or see things when it came to like shootings or this, that, or whatever, it never feels real. It never really feels real because you're an objective, you're a watcher. Like you're removed from the situation that has already occurred. But in this spot, it was happening during, at least in the sense of the panic and the like potential hysteria that was going on, where my timeline for this entire thing was, uh, I was in the 10K6 Max, I end up bricking, um, I get like a, a cash tournament, go to the payout line, and I give my stuff, I get like the payout slip and I start walking back like, okay, I'll cash this out later. I'm just going to go back to my room in Bally's and I'm just going to go home or sleep there and then figure out the next day. And then while I'm walking out, I get told, I see 20 people running towards the Paris convention from 
uh, Bally's side, so like running this way. And while I was walking back, I was told, don't go back that way. There was a shooter. And like once I heard the word shooter, my body froze for like half a second. Like, okay, there's a shooter. If there's a shooter, that means the shooter's from this side of the room, which means the most logical thing for me to do would be to kind of stay by the corners and wait till the like by the exit, see where the exit is. And then if something happens, just bolt as fast as I can. So I was kind of hugging the corners. I was waiting, um, seeing what was going on. People started flooding into Paris. And then from there, um, someone got a call and they just like alerted their table. And they, I just see a swarm of people start making their way towards the exit. Like thousands of people, because there was still some tournaments going on. There was a closer, there was a 5K turbo, 10K6 max was still going on. And I see this entire swarm and I'm like, thankfully I had 45 seconds prior to kind of have some sort of warning slash heads up, but I also don't really know what's going on either because it's a, it's a spot you don't, you can't train for. It's, it's mass that, chaos. Yeah, it's, it's mass chaos. A lot of people it's something running. that you can't, you just can't prepare for unless you're in the moment. And then when that stuff happened, I see the flood come like, okay, I'm ahead of all of this stuff that's about to just go on. The most logical thing to do would just like go to the exit, run as fast as I can. Like, fortunately for me, like I kind of found an employee that worked there that had a vehicle. And I was like, hey, like do you have a car? Like the most logical thing to do is get as far away from the scene as possible. So ended up working out really well. Like thank him a lot for that situation. But you just don't really know. And at the same time, you're not really thinking about these things of like, okay, sure. If you've been there before, remain calm. What's the logical thing to do? That's not the first thing that takes over. The first thing that takes over is just a fear of the worst of like, I could potentially die here. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. You could get shot. It is a non-zero chance that if there is a shooter, you get shot. For sure. I was in a part, actually I had just busted also, and I was maybe 10 to 15 seconds ahead of you. You were probably on the payout line while I was walking. Yeah, out. either and way. I had just walked out the first floor garage. Yeah, like up the and escalators I, and stuff. And, yep, and there's a cop car sitting right there on the left, and I'm walking toward my car, and I turn around, and I just see, like, probably, I don't know, a good 200 people eventually, maybe three, come running out the doors. Yeah. And, like, it's just... Into the parking garage. Into the parking garage, first floor. And it's just like a straight bottleneck. <clears throat> you know how the doors yeah, are. Right, They're just, yeah, like, yeah. the old school... Whatever, two by two doors that you Not can Not two people can get through at a time. Yeah, but you can't even barely get through because both of them can't open in the right. whatever. But so, yeah, they just, 200 people come flowing out the thing. And I'm just like, holy shit, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And they're like, shoot, there's a shooter out in there. And I'm like, okay, so what's the most logical thing to do now? I think I'll just sit in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what to do so at that moment. you just hunkered down in your car? Well, I just kind of sat there and just chilled for a minute. Um, and yeah, I just waited for... And then what happened? They, people just dispersed? Well, people then, were, honestly, I don't know where, the, where everybody went. They how were, long like, were all in the back of the garages. I was probably sitting around for, like, 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, but, like, everybody dispersed, like, to the back of the garages. I'm sure it went someone mm -hmm. down the stairwells. Do you think, like, like, I don't want to get in my car and, and be stuck, like, in between, like, well, be trapped in my car if something happened? Or? Well, I just thought if there's a shooter, I'm not going to go toward the strip. Like, if there really right. is something going on. Yeah, it's like, you don't no, know where he is. You don't know where to go. There's just no like, point to go toward the strip. Maybe just staying where you are is... Yeah, there's just no yeah. point to go toward the ship. If you go toward the ship, it's like it's an easy like place to be, you know, bullets mm -hmm. to be flying. So I just um, waited in my car because I felt like I can outrun anything if anything was there. Yeah, a lot of cars to hide behind. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's easy now from an objective point of look when it comes to the oh like it was just a false alarm. There was this happening. There was that happening. And it doesn't mean the experience in the moment 
is fake, right? Oh, like of course you not. Expect, yeah. You effectively try to hope for the best, but also at the same time are expecting the worst as possible. Yeah, it's wild and that this, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. And it's just, it's something that I've, n- I've never felt fear like that before in my life. I'm like, of course. okay, I just go to, the, I go to the series, I go play my tournament, I go home. And now while I'm walking out, I just see mass panic and it's like, Am I gonna am I gonna die here? Like it makes you really question your mortality, and it makes you realize that you are not immortal. Yeah, it's so like, wild how this whole thing started. Like honestly, a rock. Like it yeah. is just absolutely absurd. Like a lot of people. Got I mean, hurt. there needs to be like I think a full fledged investigation on exactly what happened because there's a, there's a bunch of bunch of speculation, right? People yeah. said it, it could have been a coordinated prank, right? Where and this, like I said, just speculation, but like it, they did the thing at at, or at uh, MGM where they. They broke the window, yeah, and yeah. that started something. And then they, people down the street were setting off fireworks, which sounded like gunshots, would cause more panic. And, like, we don't know exactly what happened, but we should figure it out because, like, people could have died. Like, 100%. just in the stamp. I mean, there was a lot of injuries, right? Yeah. We saw Negreanu's hand. We saw uh, Liberty tore up her knee, a lot of, you know, bru- bruises. And yeah. could be broken bones, not sure. But, and like, some of that's genuinely just all timing of like yeah. whether you're in like within like the the middle of the stampede mm-hmm. or not nope. kind of thing because yeah. like i was fortunate enough in this <clears throat> current situation at all things considered to not be in the middle of what was going on yeah, the and like i don't really fear getting like trampled or whatever in the sense like i'm kind of like a big guy like it's gonna be hard for that to sort of happen <laughs> but at the same time it's not that hard because like, if you just like if you slip right and you fall there you go, right? Like, yeah, right? I know people that have got trampled, people that have got hurt, and it's, and it's unfortunate. And like, when it comes down to it, like, the, the reactions in the moment are real, and then you obviously have to take an objective step back after it happens and realize that life goes on, yeah, right? Because when I first kind of was thinking about it when I woke up the next day, I was like, man, I'm not really sure how tournaments and stuff are going on, just because I know that there are some people who have definitely felt and have like a trauma that from what happened of like, oh man, like, I don't really know if I want to go back out there again. Like, who knows what's going to happen? And it makes sense from, like, a quick standpoint as to what happened. But then when you get into it and realize that most people are going to come back and life has to go on anyways, like, it can't, life can't work around you as an individual, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can't close the strip down because you feel bad, Yeah. right? And that's just kind of how it is. And it's up to the individuals that feel a certain way or, like, take something out of this in, like, a negative respect to, like, get some sort of like help or therapy for themselves to make sure that they can like go on and live their lives. And hopefully I never have to experience that again. I think mm-hmm. um, Berkey had a good point of the layouts to these casinos. Cause I think a lot of like injuries and stuff happened all through bottlenecks. Yeah. Like yeah. everything happened. Like that's when you get trampled. Yep. Exactly. Right. It's just, it just combined to a smaller space and mm-hmm. it's just, the yeah. strongest get to get yeah, through, and that's exactly. all. Like, yeah. a lot of people are going to get trampled and stuff, and, like, that's pretty scary because, like, that's, that's what I'm all, saying. People could have gotten killed. Like, that's what I said. Like, if it was, like, a coordinated prank or something like that, then, like, people need to be held accountable because, like, yeah. I mean, it can be pretty dangerous, right? For as serious of a an event as it was, <clears throat> and obviously we're not that far removed from something like this having happened, uh, you know, mentioning the Mandalay Bay thing, uh, there was also... I don't know if anybody else remembers this, but there was a Miss Universe contest here. Uh, I want to say it was shortly after the Mandalay Bay incident, maybe sometime early 2018. But uh, it was being hosted at Planet Hollywood. 
and I remember, uh, actually it might have been earlier, it might have been all the way back in like 2016, but I was playing in uh, Ivy's room uh, with, with, the, uh, with the crew, Jeremy, um, Bobby Baldwin, all them, and what happened was the Miss Universe pageant let out, I guess, after it had ended, and this woman, I don't recall the details behind it. I don't, I don't know if it was accidental or on purpose or whatever the case may be, but she had jumped the curb uh, with her car oh, yeah. right outside was, of Planet it was, Hollywood. It was on purpose, I believe. Yeah, I think so too, but I, I don't remember any of the details. But she mm-hmm. jumped the curb uh, right outside Planet Hollywood, struck and killed somebody, I believe, and maybe ran the car into like a telephone post or something like that, and there was you know, a, a wild ruckus over it. And we were getting like grumblings that there was a terrorist attack taking place at Planet Hollywood. So we're, we're playing. And I remember I was like texting Dan and a few others, like, I don't know what to do. They shut the strip down. Like there's no way out. Um, so like my only options were to stay in Ivy's room or to vacate the Aria and basically wander the strip. Yeah. And I remember just like freaking out, trying to come up with, the most logical game plan, which just ended up resulting in us continuing the game. <laughs> yeah. um, now, to be fair, like we had like the actions on you. Well, <laughs> well, like it didn't really cause much of a disturbance in the game itself. I think I was like one of the only ones who was freaked out. But uh, Baldwin was able to like contact uh, the chief of police or whatever at the time and kind of get some information passed along where we knew ahead of the the public like what had really happened. So we we had a little bit of relief there, but. In that particular moment where, you know, your vehicle is taken away and your escape route is effectively limited. Yeah. You just start to look around and realize, like, holy fuck. Like, I don't know what their intentions are, but we are sitting ducks. Yeah. Like, all I know is if they make their way here at all, we are just the absolute first to go. We're in this mm-hmm. confined space. We're sitting around the table just, like, hands up, don't shoot me, please, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was horrifying in the moment. Um, it does really get the... I can't really explain it, but like we are built to survive, right? So our minds work in a particular way where when you're put into that fight or flight scenario, uh, maybe this isn't true of everybody, but like for some, at least your mind just like kicks in overdrive and it's just trying to solve the problem. Adrenaline kicks in, everything moves a little bit slower. Yeah. Dude, I've never ran that fast in my life. It's really just trying to solve the problem of how do I best navigate this scenario uh, as optimally as possible where I get out alive. And then, you know, if you were, really have your wits about you it's like well how can i help as many people around me as possible mm-hmm. at, at the yeah. same time um with that said it sounds like galen hall's mind kind of works this way galen bond uh so, <laughs> you know it's 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 funny now in hindsight it obviously wasn't funny to him then yeah of course but uh quite the tale from young galen hall who apparently had like gone out the back of paris tried to get through two doors both of which were locked uh, he finally says, fuck it, kicks in a locked door, went in. <laughs> How do you an, kick in a lock? How do you to, do it? You just, you, man, you just kick it. It goes into a no outlet murder room. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Decided to break through the vent in the ceiling, went into the roof, and hid behind the concrete structs in the wall. Uh, one guy got struck. Um, Sorry, this week goes on. One guy got struck because he fell in between the outer wall and the inner wall, <laughs> but otherwise everybody was fine. It was pretty dusty up there. 
and then Elio Fox said two people also fell through the ceiling into the kitchen supply what room. It's like the scene from The Office. I was literally about to say yeah. that. You took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, it's happening in a scene. Yeah, yeah, it's what happening. What do we do? Fire them. Where are the How? exits? Time out. How do you get into the ventilation system? They are very... High, <clears throat> high ceiling. There's just find image. a way, man. Did you see the image? Uh, uh, no. Oh, oh, I need to see this. Oh, you, no, that was different. That was a maintenance guy. You're talking about the guy who was on a ladder. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. They made him, yeah, the, the, the saying that was Galen Hall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah anyways, no. like, that's the kind of thing. And when this stuff happens, obviously, it's in the moment, it's very scary. But I think finding some sort of humor looking back at mm -hmm. it now is, like, also kind of healthy, too. Because, like, someone, people have made the memes <clears throat> of, like, some people in Paris were, like, under the tables. Other people were literally just sitting in their seats, just like yeah. straight. And it was like, good summer, bad summer. Well, that, that's, why the, the, that's why that office clip is like, you know, here it is. Like, <laughs> here, take the can. <laughs> like, no. what do we do? But like, when, when nobody's prepared for anything, then like mass chaos happens and people are running in every direction. And then you have chaos. Matt's never seen that clip. No. Of course not, because he hasn't watched The Office. I don't like The Office. I mean, of that, I, give it a try. I can't, I can't do it. Speaking of that picture, my boy Corey's sitting there. He's in a chair, and um, he's just sitting in that picture chilling. Mm -hmm. have, there's people hiding behind the, uh, the tables, and there's another guy chilling at the table. It looks like he's talking to him, but he's just, you know, he's just chilling. So shout out to Corey. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I got to say, I, I don't know that he was any better or worse off than the people hiding behind the table should an incident occur. Like, that's that's not the right strategy. I, I, yeah, I saw that too, and well, I was like, hiding behind the table? Not yeah, like flipping yeah. a table and just like chilling behind it yeah. like nah. it's bulletproof. Nah, like, this isn't getting it done. Right. Those What's guys that? just busted the tournament. There was a multi-level strategy there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I don't know, and maybe I was overthinking it then and still kind of do now, of like, what is the best strategy if something like this does occur i mean here's the thing man like uh we don't talk about this enough and i do think that th there's i don't know if a need for this is the proper word but i feel like uh both men and women alike kind of aren't given enough skill sets naturally to navigate the world as it stands right mm. and i am a huge advocate in uh, let's, let's call it survival training to mm -hmm. some degree, right? I know that sounds weird to apply this to that, but it, it really does apply to the modern world. You're not yeah. trying to evade uh, wildlife or other threats of randomness, right? Like it, it's a lot more urban these days. So, it's pretty wild that you have to train to pre pre prepare yourself from other humans. Well, kind of, but like throughout the history of man yeah those who did the best at navigating life were prepared for the unpredictable circumstances that life can throw you right and uh I, i'm a huge advocate of this and i don't even do it enough but like i do feel like i kind of find myself very interested in this sort of uh life path of preparing for the unpreparable right not to the point of being a doomsday prepper or, or things like that like right. look if the zombie apocalypse comes like a I'm, shelterist i'm or... the first to go yeah uh <laughs> I, I got nothing for you but uh a good example was like when we got lost on the hike and had to spend the night in the mountains oh yeah as what was that like as bothered as i was by the scenario <laughs> yep and as aware as i was of our surroundings i wasn't fearful for our safety beyond reasonable doubt right like i knew 
what the probability of a threat was. Like and I, lion. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was like 10% yeah, yeah. that we were going to run into a really bad situation. And I was doing my damn just to like prepare for that 10% because the prepare? other 90 doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? You just, maybe you're a little cold. Maybe you're a little tired. Right. Maybe you're uh, Whatever. But like yeah. you get through the night. But it's like on the off chance that a mountain lion <clears throat> comes up on us, what are we going to do? And it's like, I was just running that scenario through my head. What did you come up with? I loaded my book bag full of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I had, uh, I had a hoodie like tied through the, the straps of it so that I could swing it. Yeah. So I had like 20 pounds of force. You had mountain lion prep. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like, you know, somebody's got it. You have two options. You either come up with some sort of weapon like this, or you find the fattest, slowest one in the group and you just throw them forward and say, sorry, man, man. it's your time. Yeah. <laughs> you figure it out. You're fighting with your bare hand. Did you see and, that? New and as much as I wanted to see Fee strap with a mountain lion, I wasn't about to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in a different uh. timeline, you, uh, you send Fee to the lion and you say, when are you guys making it out? Sorry, stay hard, bro. Get yeah. after it. I don't know what to hard. tell you. But, uh, but no, like, I, I do think that like, I, we're so far into a tangent now, but I, 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 I'm very passionate about this. Uh, there's a, a particular uh, blog that I've been following for maybe five or six years. might even be longer. It's uh, called The Art of Manliness. Uh-huh. And there's a podcast, too. It's a podcast also. Yeah. Uh, and it's rooted around like stoicism and a lot of other like... Uh, uh, I don't want to say ancient philosophies, but like old 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 timey philosophy. Yeah. But, uh, it it really is like, um, it, it dips back into like tribalism and our, our primal need to survive and how to navigate that in a modern world. Right. So there's just a lot of skill sets that you can develop, whether it's understanding how to, uh, create a fire out of very little or how to create shelter or, uh, you know, how to think in these chaotic moments, right? Like we've lived through 9-11. We've lived through uh, a lot of these mass shootings. Like it's to the point now where you can, you can think about scenarios of wh- what would you do in that spot, right? Mm-hmm. And we're poker players. So it's like, we already have a probabilistic mindset right. of, you know, well, if I were on that plane and I thought the probability that we actually were going to survive was sub 10, then perhaps I take this action, right? Mm-hmm. And you make those judgment calls in real time and you train your, the only way to prepare for, for, for that fight or flight moment is to have run through that scenario a bunch right. of different times when you are in a calm state. Yeah, and having right? a plan is better than not having one. Like yeah, a, bad plan, yeah. a bad plan is better than no plan. Yeah. Or even like having the capability of developing a plan, right? Like yeah. just having the uh, loose template yeah, yeah. Of, mm-hmm. of how to handle survival situations. Yeah, yeah. I definitely don't do it enough, but like I do like find myself in snares like when you're in like places like that like okay where are the exits like right. wh- wh- what's the best way to like if something does happen where do i go yeah right because just having like even like a, a 15 second thought of that gives you an advantage right like yeah it's pretty it's pretty interesting because yeah. i was kind of thinking back to this like pretty down bad take that someone uh posts on social media not a surprise where they said People walking out didn't remind you of like a fire drill or things of that nature, like when you're in school. And now I kind of realize why when like there are fire drills and things of mm-hmm. that nature going on in school, like there's single file lines. Otherwise, people are just going to be running trampling out, each like other, trampling right. stampedes with the single file mm-hmm. line. Like, and you know, at the same time, it's a drill. And for all intents and purposes, if you see the fire, like there's going to be an effective way to be all right before the fire, I guess, effectively consumes yeah. you. But 
in this situation where you don't really know what's going on, you've never really trained for something like this, mm -mm. and at the same time, you don't know how high of level threat it could be, it's a completely different in-game situation than a theoretical, practical, okay, if this happens, which I prepared for, this is what I do. Because mm -hmm. it just got thrust upon everybody at Paris, at Paris Valleys of, okay, something might be going on, figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Like, there's no guideline of someone saying, hey, this is what we do when this happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. Like, you can only be so prepared for life. Of course, life. and uh, life goes mm -hmm. on. Like, life still has to go on. Yeah, things but. are going to happen, but... It's a wild scene, man. I'm just happy to be here talking to you guys on the podcast. It wasn't man. national news. That's crazy to me. Right. Never, like, yeah. you just never know, right? You never know how bad things could be. The entire strip was basically sent into a frenzy. Yeah. Bad and for business. Wild. Can't have that on national news. Bad for business. I mean, yeah, that is, of course, I think that's like, true in a way. I think, I think the, the powers that be, whoever they are, do whatever they can to keep this out of the national news. Keep it under wraps as much as possible because it is bad for business yeah. but i don't know I'm yeah it just seems it seemed newsworthy to me yeah it, it seems like something oh, especially sure. with twitter and social media i so like i i was home and i i put on like the local news thinking that like they'd be talking about this non-stop and they they just said there's a little blurb there all it was was a blurb and it was the tweet from the uh from yep. metro police that said that this was a false alarm and that was it and that was like it yeah. And, and there was like, I was like, well, maybe it'll be on CNN like the next day or something like that. One of these channels, like, and that's and the problem. I think, I think right. that's what fuels these conspiracy theories that there was multiple shooters and like, mm -hmm. you know, dead people were carted off without anybody seeing yeah, them. And men in black happen. came in and erased people's right. memories and shit like that. You know what <laughs> I mean? I think it fuels that because yeah. it's clear that the people that we're supposed to respect and listen to and trust aren't necessarily being straightforward with us. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure that that tweet was true, and I'm sure that uh, that is all it was, but I'm also sure that there are a lot of details that are being left out. And with, when the news fails to cover that, well, then shit gets swept under the rug, and now all of a sudden our minds start to wander, and it's just mm -hmm. like, well, right. did I hear gunshots? Yeah. Are they lying to me? Like, yeah. was yeah. there other shit going on? Who knows? Uh, luckily, as far as we can tell, no casualties. Everybody was relatively safe. Yeah. Uh, out of harm's way the series raged on for one more day we had one more bracelet winner shout out to Michael Wang yeah. uh, won the 5k turbo are you sure that wasn't Jelly Chong that <laughs> no <laughs> that wasn't no. no Conrad uh, okay. no it was not uh, wait who won the 10k6 max the 10k6 max is still going on now uh, no that's not true six. is it yeah, yeah oh wow they're, final, they're playing final table now um, and uh, I think Pavel's chip leading with Four left? Five or four, something like yeah. that, yeah. How did it become a four-day? Because uh, they bagged after the uh, situation. Uh, oh, we just talked right. about how it became a four-day. They bagged. Yeah, but I mean, that was yeah. at 11 o'clock at night. They were due to bag at one anyway. There so was they, a lot yeah. of people left, man. There was, 40, there was 47 people left in the tournament. I was Maybe the last they started person. late, too, the next day, too. Yeah. I was the last person to, uh, to leave the tournament before that stuff happened. Unlucky. Yeah. I got 45 seconds. I'll take it. There was another bracelet that was crowned this yeah. past weekend. The oh, biggest I, bracelet of them all. Maybe an important one. The most important of them all. Man. Uh, I wasn't here Friday to do the, the pre-final table show. Yeah, you're busy getting new pants. Uh, <laughs> 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 you think you're so, so goddamn funny, don't you? I know, that, that I know I'm so goddamn funny. Most popular tweet of all time. 
That's not true. And very close. That was uh, a good fucking tweet, you wrote. Don't worry, the engagement. They got like 50, re 50 retweets. The what engagement what is the matter with people? The engagement on this tweet 133, is absurd. 133,000. <laughs> followers, too. Everybody should be ashamed of themselves <laughs> for participating in that tweet. No, that was it's amazing. So Thank you, Software Wide Community, for, for coming through. Thank you, thank you. We need you guys. Your, your sadistic laugh at the end of putting the tweet out devolved into Beavis and Butthead. It was like... <laughs> Literally because you wrote... Has anybody into Venetian have an extra pair of pants? You know what it was? It was the emojis. The emojis got me. It was the emojis that really did it for me, too. Yeah, the fire. Yeah. Oh, man. Shout out to Sam Lee hitting us with the super chat. Look, like, I, I don't care. Honestly, of all the things you could have done on my Twitter, this is... By far the no, most. Shout out reasonable. to you for not not deleting it and letting. Yeah. Me I was watching in real time. Like, I knew what was run. happening. I could have stopped her from doing it if I could change my password while she was tweeting. I know, and I'm, I, we we commend. I you wanted for to that. I wanted to run the experiment. This you is, all failed. Everyone, all hundred thirty three thousand of you. No, everybody. Everybody won. Absolute best part of the show. Listen, man, this is what happens when you miss an episode. Yes. You either get shit talked about you. You get something tweeted on your profile. Leave your Twitter, Twitter taken over. up knowing that I'm going to be in that seat. That's I, like, first of all, I don't know who the hell gave you the keys to the castle, but that was a clear mistake. <laughs> Landon would not have done such a thing to me. She gave herself the keys to the castle. Yeah, that's what she does. When she's, I see keys to a castle, I'm going to take those she's, keys. Uh, when she's, you see keys to a castle, you see a free castle. Yeah. She is the ministry of chaos when it comes to this podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a real problem. But To the main event. Uh, <laughs> What I would have said, had I been here, was that despite the chips being uh, not all that far apart coming down into the final table, yeah. and despite them not being all that deep, Espen had to be the biggest favorite coming into the final table Party poker since Corey. Yeah. Which was last year. Right. <laughs> but Corey was probably the biggest favorite coming into the final table in well over a decade. Like since Greggy. As in like it was that close? a pretty tough final table though. What's that? Still a pretty tough final table like all things considered. It 100% could have gone a million different ways. I think Corey was a bigger favorite because uh, they were still so deep and his edge was so big. Um, just being able to navigate spots. Uh, where for Espen, you know... You get dealt a cooler, it's just game over. Mm -hmm. And he just wasn't dealt that cooler. Well, he was dealt the cooler with aces versus kings, two, or aces versus ace king, two tables before to set up the final table trip lead. He also got well, on the right side of it. He yeah. was also on the right side of aces versus ace queen, where my man didn't go broke on mm -hmm. an ace high board. Uh, he managed to win just about the damn minimum. <clears throat> wow. But, you know, that's kind of the nature of the final table, man. Like, I, I, I was very. And, uh, I, I was very uh, locked in to how skillful this final table played down. Uh -huh. I think that more so than years past, uh, it was abundantly clear that there were four or five guys that were very well versed in MTTs. Mm -hmm. uh, and any one of them could have caught the rush of cards necessary to uh, potentially win this thing. Right. If somebody runs good, they can just win. Yeah. And, you know, I'm saying all of that. Yeah, with I the mean, grain of salt that I right. thought 
Espen was a favorite. Yeah, if Epson doesn't win that that flip, <clears throat> I was it East Queen, Queen versus, versus Sixes? Yeah, East Queen versus Sixes. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, the ties are completely turned. Of course, right? and East that's just that's then, just the nature of poker yeah. tournaments in general. When it comes to right, ROIs, this whatever, like you win some all ins that are like massive all ins. It literally sets you up to win or get twelfth or get seventeenth mm -hmm. or get. 54th in some cases where like you win a big flip you have a lot of chips to be able to do stuff and if you lose you're just out and that's just kind of the nature of the game and you got to win them <laughs> you got to yeah. win your all-ins <laughs> yeah i thought the play was very skillful i thought dobrik uh from day six on was probably one of the most impressive players to me yeah. uh and mainly the, the, it's probably because i was the least familiar with his game as far as like the good players go like i knew attenborough already i knew matsu i knew uh espin um i was very familiar with like how they played uh i was familiar with john eames um so i had an awareness around the guys who i thought were collectively the best players at this final table uh i had no knowledge of dobrik prior to this and man this guy's a fucking gangster yeah like nick was not selling him short when he said that he came to play, we all looked at that ace forehand and we were like, wow, this is a gigapunt, right? But like putting it now in context with the rest of his game, this guy is fucking nasty. Yeah. And like, sure, the ace four is like not going to be game theory approved right. and it's out on a limb, but it's out on a limb with a purpose. What, yeah. what was the ace forehand? Uh, he that flop and then just rocket manned it off in a, in a spot. Yeah. Like, just where completely just barreled Attenborough it off. Had, got called by King Queen mm -hmm. on a King high board. Like, and Barrow, like, had to call off for his tournament life. It was, it was nasty. Like, he just kind of was clicking buttons, but decided he was going to be the last person to say all in. Yeah, right. like, the first you had to, to be willing in. to be put all in if you were entering into a hand with him. Right, like, you just never know if all a, the chips are going to go in or not. Yeah, which is very unsettling to have at the table. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think him and Sue kind of fell the most victim to variance. Yeah, uh, at this final table, Sue ran so bad. Yeah, yeah. we're we're just so like bad. two outed by Attenborough. Yeah, both of them had a real shot of uh, maintaining or climbing uh, up the ladder uh, as far as chip positioning goes. Yep, and a few hands here and there just like continually didn't go their way. Yeah, <laughs> it was um, wild. Like we watched probably four to five hours of the final table where nobody busted. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, and then all the other stacks got shorter by default, and you're kind of playing a game. Where, it's like, a weird ICM. Uh, it's a weird ICM calculation too because it's, dangerous. it's so top heavy, right? Like Dude, first, there isn't even a pay worth everything. So this this is something that I don't think people understood. Uh, I even heard Jamie kind of misspeak a couple times throughout the broadcast. But tenth sure. place got the same as eleventh, so mm -hmm. you haven't made a pay jump by right. making the final table. Yep. Asher getting tenth is heartbreaking for him because it's yeah. no different than eleventh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know it's unlucky for him to run tens of days king and king and just king lose king. I know. Yeah, that's that is so nasty. What a scam. Quads, Basil. Yeah. What a fucking scam. I mean, he said when he left, he was like, at least they put me out quickly. Like, yeah. he didn't have yeah, to sweat the run like out. Like a horse getting right. drug out behind the barn, man. Just one shot. You need hope, dude. You need to, like, sometimes, because, like, he flops an ace, like, okay, 10, maybe, maybe 10 here. No, no, no. Like, we'll, we'll be seeing you. Like, good game. That on flop. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even, like, a running quad situation. Exactly. Where, yeah. Yeah. It just came, like, ace-king-king, and you have to hit 10-10. Yeah. It was just zero. Just gonzo. Zero. Um, obviously, he was, like, very unlucky to bust 10th. Uh, Matsu ran into so many shit spots. His his bust hand... Uh, wait, did the queens bust him? No. That was, it, like, that crippled got him, him down right? short. Yeah. yeah, that's what crippled him. Yeah, so Attenborough easily could have been out 8th. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, to his credit... He could have been out 8th, ninth, or 10th. 
he was constantly riding the the rail and he was down as low as i think seven blinds maybe four he spun right yeah he spun um also uh the eighth place finisher suki yep was super short i thought he navigated so well so i think he was the polar opposite of dobrik right mm-hmm. like he was so calculated and so locked in like this man was dealt ace 10 every third hand for the entire first two hours of the final table navigating a seven big blind stack and just kept finding a way that, to fold it that until was my it man him. i said I, I was rooting for him so hard i said you know he's got the turtle he's got the tortoise stack he's, he's and he's gonna navigate he's his way up there and he also busted come back and win the whole he also thing. busted in like a very unlucky spot awful he, he gets aces in versus fucking uh, queen jack, queen jack. Oh, yeah. ace in the window followed by 10 8 like are you kidding me and then boom <laughs> right on the turn dead it's no, almost like dead. it was you no, he, was dead. He, he, he got a redraw to the full house but yeah he you would get think it. oh you would think he had a redraw to the full nah, house he was dead he was dead yeah he's yeah. just dead it's just like dead. man if he wins that pot he's right in it yeah right in it and who knows uh, what happens yeah I, I really didn't see too many errors at the final table the uh, only two that really stuck out <laughs> in my mind were uh dusek the seventh place finisher the the recreational businessman from canada uh, there was a point where he flatted twice. To, I, I thought he made two mistakes. He flatted ace king out of the big blind and then found a way to basically like have to give up post mm-hmm. when he had just an abundantly clear jam. I think he had like 20, 24 bigs per year or something along those lines. Uh, bet not rolling call, uh, I mean, whatever. <laughs> okay, you're, you're trying to get a guy who flatted ace king three to know, three bed induce now. I Come know. on, man. I'm not like, expecting it. Just... Let's, let's keep it simple. Like, I'm it's a clear jam. He's a recreational player, but he plays a lot, right? Yeah. From, yeah, he says he's been right. playing for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I thought he made a mistake with that hand. There was another spot where it was like, I think he was like the sixth caller with king jack or king queen in the mm-hmm. big blind. Uh, and then he found a way to like, bet fold on a king high board there's a yeah. six-way pot on the final table yeah it was wild Attenborough yeah. limped oh that's what it was Attenborough limped oh. Attenborough limped king queen suited uh and everybody fell in line matt sue limped off train, of, man matt matt sue limped off of nine with jack 10 suited no different than uh, a one three game at uh, mgm i think they ended up going five ways <laughs> and it came king high i believe uh, and I'm only saying this is a mistake because of the post-flop line work, not because he folded. He actually folded the worst hand. He had King Jack in the big, but he led for like 80% pot on a King high board into the field. Oh no. And Attenborough just has him pipped with King queen <laughs> yeah. and just like oh, no. calls. <laughs> and then, you know, it checks to him on the turn. He bets 80% and then he just folds directly. Uh-huh. But you know, you could just. You're going to lose the hand anyway, but you, you could get to the river, potentially make a jack, win a big pot, yeah. or, you know, lose a small pot. Mm-hmm. Ambrose is probably going to bet like 10, 20%. Right. Uh, I'm he's, sure he's like, it, he's someone who's, you know, he's not studied. He's not. No, no, he's no. Not of studied. course not. not. Of course not. Right. And then, uh, that, those are the mistakes that are, you're going to make when you, you know, you're not like yeah. looking at all these different uh, scenarios. I, I thought that those, those two stuck out to me uh, very clearly. I thought that uh, uh, when we were down to three handed, Duick. Made a clear error with the was it King Eight off from the small blind, where oh, he ultimately yeah. busted. Where he decided to three bet. And yeah, then, uh, yeah, and you know he's a PLO player, so like I'm sure, uh, you know, there was a small part of me that used to play shorthanded PLO, and I know the mentality <laughs> back before game theory was really prevalent was uh, just 
take the aggression factor, right? Because equities run so close pre anyway, you just three bet. And then once you have the lead, now if you flop equity, you get to win the pot in unfair share. So I, I'm sure that that coupled with the moment itself, coupled with feeling like, like I, I tweeted this when it happened in real time. I thought he was the absolute most emotional invested in the moment hmm. of the three. He was 23. Yeah. Sure. And like, you know, he, you could see how gutted he was when yeah. he busted, like mm -hmm. just devastated. Yeah. So I felt like the when that's kinda... true, you might press a little bit harder right. and try to manufacture this spot. Yeah. <laughs> that if you're just navigating according to, you know, good preflop play, this hand's just a pure fold. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but instead he gets unlucky. He three bets and then follows through in a spot where Attenborough could have jammed the ace jack pre. Yeah. Well, he bets turn and then decides to bluff catch river when Attenborough has the nuts. Yeah. Once he turns the king, it's like, I don't know what to do because we already we already ended up c betting on a board that like isn't great for us. I think it was queen ten eight. Yeah. Uh, no, that would have given him a pair. So it must have been queen ten x like four, queen ten four maybe. Yeah. Um, so this is already not a great spot. Your opponent's gonna have jack nine. Your opponent's gonna have king jack. Your opponent's gonna have ace jack. Uh, he's gonna have a lot of queen x. A lot of basically like you're only really putting pressure on. Uh, hands that you probably like you're putting beat? pressure on like low mid pairs which is right like but they just jam pre much yeah they, so. they just almost certainly all jam pre yeah as do uh low mid pairs ace high stuff yeah a lot of ace highs jam know? pre too so it's like maybe you're putting pressure on like ace wheels yeah and that's kind of it but when they have back doors facing quarter they probably call it some frequency not zero so yeah it was just kind of like a lost spot i think uh, where ultimately he gets unlucky, turns a king, gives Attenborough the nuts, now gives him top pair. SPR is like 0.75 GG. Like, it's yep. it's just going to be over from there no matter what he does. Uh, very unfortunate for him. Um, getting down to the final two, the men of the hour, uh, I think that this was the heads-up match that the fans wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. It was probably the one that each of them least wanted because I think there are a lot softer spots. Um, I would imagine that these two are the most studied when it comes to uh heads up play in general i know that there was a lot of talk of matt sue being a heads up professional uh i don't know how true that is i've played a lot of cash with matt uh i would guess that he plays more live full ring than any sort of like uh volume at heads up but again i don't know for a fact uh in any event i think that it was very clear in their dynamic and in their fundamentals that attenborough and uh espen are incredibly studied in this format um the only caveat being maybe the big blind ante uh could put a bit of a wrinkle in things where neither one of them have a ton of live uh presence so the big blind ante is only a factor in live tournaments uh online it's it's just always going to be each individual antis mm -hmm. so as people are eliminated from the final table the ante is obviously reduced um, but with the big blind anti format, the like exact a ton opposite of happens. Dead money in the pot. Yeah, as as people are eliminated, the anti is actually increasing. So when you get the heads up, there's a full blind uh, already dead in the anti format, plus uh, the the post. So what it results in is everybody's playing any two basically, yeah, and this leads to now a lot of limping on the button. Very first hand out of the gate, we have fireworks. Yep. Espen opens king-queen suited, <laughs> um, which is, I imagine, pretty standard. 
Um, a really but, good hand. Yeah, it's a really good hand. Heads up. You can handle but, three bats. Yeah, and they're they're very they're very deep, so they're like a hundred effective, I think. Um, now, what I was talking to Landon about off air is like I, I I imagine that it didn't really click because you're in the moment, you're playing heads up for four million dollars. You don't realize that you're playing twenty k, forty k, no limit, a hundred blinds effective, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't really dawn on you. Uh, and also, <laughs> that's so crazy. It's wild, isn't it? <laughs> oh it's just God. so. And people, I, I tweeted it's that. So sick. So I tweeted that, and people were like, "Yeah, except if you're playing twenty k, forty k, you don't leave with six million. It's like, well, they're not playing for six million, dummy. Yeah, they're playing for they're four. playing for four. <laughs> right. So each of them have two million dollars in front of them, and the winner takes all. Yeah. It's a twenty k, forty k heads up match. Like that's life. Um, and I imagine that you regress to your training at that point, right? So you try not to think about the money factor. You try not to think about the stakes. You do what needs mm -hmm. to be done. Yeah, Especially you just, for those two. Like, those right. two are just professionals, right? Yeah, for sure. What I think gets overlooked here is um, because it's the first hand, you assume whatever action takes place is going to set the tone, right? So Espen comes out raising, and he hits him with a 2.5x. Now, if we were to zoom out and just analyze that, not involved. We're not in the moment. We're not the one playing against As this. Just an objective viewer. Yeah. If we're if we're the audience and we're zooming out and we're looking at this strategically, what we're we're thinking to ourselves or what we should be thinking to ourselves is, okay, he's choosing a large size here because of the big blind ante, and more importantly, because of the fact that he's probably not opening very often. Imagine his frequencies are somewhere uh, south of like twenty five percent opening frequency, right? Mm -hmm. It's mostly going to be played limp. So if you're his opponent, and you recognize that, the first thing that would go through my mind is, he's opening the very first hand. I bet he has a good hand, right? And maybe I would be leveling myself too much in that moment. Maybe he just wakes up with Jack Deuce suited and rolls high and says like, okay, I'm going to open this hand because it's a part of my bluffing uh, hand class, and, you know, it has a 7% frequency. Yeah, and that's I, that, right? I rolled 93, you know? Uh, so maybe, maybe that is happening. But... There are a bunch of hands that don't need to roll. Aces, kings, queens, you know, maybe even king-queen suited. These hands are, like, pretty close to yeah. pure opens. So it's like... The RFIs feel pure. What's that? Like, the RFIs in yeah. the spot feel pure. Yeah, exactly. Like aces are pure. Exactly. So it's pure. just like, uh, when that's the case, I'm just going to default to giving credit in the initial hand. So, like, all I'm basically saying is, like, I would have been very hesitant to bluff uh, preflop the very sure. first hand yeah but again like Attenborough kind of defers to what he knows uh he knows way more about heads up than i do for sure chooses the three bet the jack four suited and the fucking war is on it is <laughs> on baby uh to start heads up with for your terrible flop for him not what you want to see no backdoor nothing sure, no backdoor no nothing look guapo run the run the clip here let it kind of speak for itself a little. i don't think there'll be even nine deuce offsuit probably is going to want to play um, we're going to be seeing a lot of limped buttons, but we start out with a very real hand. We need two and a half X's from the button. So yeah, we're going to, we probably just this hand, there's they, they've been playing kind of slowly, 1.53 million. I think Yorstad's okay with that. Yeah, Yorstad is not going to be folding a hand this good, but I think, yeah, this is one where you don't want to four bet it because if you face a five bet, you end up folding out a ton of equity. So he's going to just take a flop in position with a really good hand. Oh, just a little 55 milli in the pot pre-flop. Is that a tell when you knock mm. over your stack as you're trying to put it's your bluff in? It's a tell that you have a hell of a lot of chips in front yep. of you. 
That's very funny. I meant to say cause for concern, but yeah. <laughs> with two uh, very cerebral players, we may have some pause for concern as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Putting together a lot of chips. And I got to say, I am extremely used to looking at this posture as your stad was in the tank for a very long time before shutting down my uh, tag team partner. Oh, yeah. That bluff. Okay. <laughs> he finally pulled the trigger and five vet jammed ace, ace jack and took it down. But he was, he tanked 15 minutes. I think I had an entire beer on the rail before he'd made his decision. Did you sit much across the way from him? Not just in heads up, but leading up to the... And scoop a 200 million chip pot and have my opponent absolutely dominated. Your said though, very good player, and like if he can squeak mm -hmm. out value, he goes all in. He's trying to end it in one hand. <clears throat> Espen did have a, uh, I know he had a couple of sessions with a mental game coach before he made the online main event GGP final table a couple years back that Lon and I broadcast. And the oh, there is yeah! the muck, the clock. Never called. Jorstad wakes up from the nap and finds himself now with and almost 500 minutes. million chips. Long time. He tanked. And honestly, like, I get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Like, I don't think... I don't think after, like, minute five or six, he was really going to find the answer he was looking for. Like, he was in just a true spot of indifference. And nothing was going to change mm -hmm. that. If it's ever justified, <laughs> this is the exact moment. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. <clears throat> I think that, like, whatever, man, take your time. Um, it was I also, like, it happened. I feel like this kept happening where he would have, like, a zero EV, like, bluff catch, but it would be they're both unblocking the flush draws or something. So yeah. it's like he's, like, in his head thinking, like, what he's unblocking, and it just so happens that Espen is also unblocking that, so it's, like, this weird thing where he thinks he has more bluffs there than he actually does, and... Yeah, so I, I think that uh, there are a few things to point out. So, one, the board texture in particular is one that is very complex. So, uh, we see a King-10-8 two-tone board where... Uh, um, Attenborough has no front door nor back door blockers. So he has jack four diamonds on king 10 eight, two hearts and a spade. And he, he, he begins betting with quarter pot. This is already going to be like a little bit problematic because this isn't going to be a range bet board. Um, <clears throat> so once that becomes true, uh, whether or not we call this, this initial C bet a misstep or not, doesn't really make a difference. Uh, all that matters is how it shapes Espen's range moving forward to the turn. So Espen's obviously going to have a ton of calls on this type of texture, uh, especially if he has that more narrowed range preflop that we were kind of talking about. Now when we move into the turn four, brings backdoor spades, well, that's going to increase the equity of Espen's range because he's going to have a lot of backdoor floats. It did, however, give um, Attenborough a uh, bottom pair, which is now both showdown value and more equity than his piece of trash hand had previously. So now he has... More showdown value, slightly more equity, and still a ton of unblocking properties. So he chooses 2E here now. And, and he begins... also blocks two pair, which is really good. Uh, four, yeah. Uh, explain the four, 2E. The four blocks the suited Broadway's that Espen opened and calls. Like the queen four, king four. Well, queen four would be ten, pretty irrelevant, ten but four, like 10-4 yeah. 
king four, I guess. The four is nice for bluffs because it blocks two pairs. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, assuming, yeah, assuming that those are even a part of the opening range. But yeah. uh, even still, it, it's, yeah, it reduces it from two combos to one. So the board also already has like pretty heavy blocking properties over that. So the four isn't super significant, I don't think. Um, but he chooses to start two Eing here. Uh, basically putting his hand like dead smack in the middle between bluff and potential give up, right? Now the river pairs the eight. And what should be abundantly clear is neither range really possesses much in the way of 8x, right? So for both ranges, it's probably only going to be 8x of spades, assuming it was a heart on the flop, uh, which I believe it was. Um, but if it was the 8 of spades on the flop, then it's 8x of hearts, right? So there's like a couple of combinations of those for both players, uh, probably more of them for Espen, than for uh, Attenborough, just because uh, it's it's more probable that if Attenborough had flopped the pair plus flush draw, that he begins checking at some frequency. Yeah. In any event, there isn't a lot of 8x on the end. Um, you know, for Espen, maybe he traps some with his king 8, 10 8. Uh, maybe he jams some of those on the turn. Uh, he's probably not going to have any of those in full frequency. He's probably not going to have 10s in full frequency. Uh, depending on if he ever four bets them pre uh, or raises flop or turn, um, probably never has kings, et cetera, et cetera. So like the reason why we land on the river with such a great tank is because all draws missed. So there were plethora of straight draws, two different flush draws, everything bricks out. Yeah. The card that paired isn't all that relevant. It's not super significant. Neither range really possesses much in the way of 8x, right? So what mm -hmm. this does now is it makes it very confusing as to what the value hands are. And kudos to Espen for finding this jam on the river because too many players play too tight here and are just happy to check down. Not yeah. recognizing that uh, Adrian is going to be jamming all better hands than king-queen. Right. He's jamming ace-king. He's jamming full houses. He's jamming aces. Uh, he's jamming trips. Like, you have no concerns of value cutting yourself here. Yeah, sometimes you value own yourself by like a bet bet check, but it doesn't happen enough to not justify jamming top of range for you. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I suppose that we could say that there's a case that uh, Adrian may be checking like trips here at a low frequency yeah. or uh, potentially full house here if he has right. the board just totally locked. Right, because like in theory, like, like if he has king eight suited, he might consider checking because the board's just exactly. locked down. Like you'll run into some stuff, but it, Very rare. it's not justified to check back and like take the pot because you win when you show down because you're probably the best hand because your hand's worth more. Your hand's worth more than what the pot's already in it. Right. So and I, th I think the real reason to double down on this is because it's the main event and you're playing for $4 right. million. Of course. And right. So this is a $4 million thin value bet. Exactly. Well, <laughs> thin, thin value. Yeah. Correct. Like it's thin value in the sense of who's going to call you in the main event with just X amount worse than King Queen. Like you're Admiral, going all in with King too. Queen. <laughs> right. Someone that's really fucking good at poker that knows that you're bluffing appropriately. That's yeah. who's going to call you. Yeah. Right. So this obviously sends him into a nightmare tank um and honestly if he had called off here i i wouldn't have been that shocked uh galfon kind of jokingly tweeted i would have called and been in my car six minutes ago yeah uh and <laughs> so you would have had a 12 minute tank right uh and like i can understand it uh you know i, I probably wouldn't have played the streets previous to the way that he did but i've been in this river spot a lot and i very rarely find that fold uh, you just convince yourself of it, man. It's like, and the, the, the issue is, is that it's not just about, 
Adrian navigating his own strategy here, right? He has to build out Espen's entire strategy too before he makes his decision. So he now has to come to... He's at this final endpoint in the game tree where he has to decide, okay, now I need to see the shape of his range. I need to know what I think he's race calling with. I need to know what I think he's call calling with flop and turn. Yep. And then I need to know what frequency he's jamming call it king x for value right i need to know like what the bottom of his value range looks like and how often he's taking that line and then i need to be able to weigh that against how often he has these (laughs) natural bluffs that are so vast but also maybe not in full frequency right like he might just not have all these hands in a raising range pre he might not have all of these hands in a call call line pre or, or post right he might be jamming some of them on the turn so we have to like go through this process of waiting out Espen's entire range before arriving at the decision point of okay now how does my hand impact those weights yeah how does having the jack of diamonds positively or negatively impact me towards a call or fold right so it's a fuck ton to think about and this is what Vogelsang tries to 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 talk about whenever he says like look if you don't give me a shot clock these are the things that I'm thinking about right and I will spend as many minutes as you humanly allow me to uh, because I don't care about anything except arriving at the correct decision. And it's probably pretty important that even in the main event, we have some sort of executable shot clock. Like, this was an 18 and a half minute tank. <laughs> How long do we let it go? I mean, yeah. they were on an hour delay, but like, an hour's not necessarily safe anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. If they're back-to-back 18 mm-hmm. minute tanks, we're not that far away from, from uh, you know, them being able to snipe. Right, just like shot from the rail. Like he's got it. He's got king queen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's king, like, queen. and if and you know at that queen, point oh. it's like obviously that's cheating, but who's gonna stop it? Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, that would be a very interesting situation. Like let's say an hour goes by, someone's watching from their phone on the rail. They see Espen's hand because at some point, like nobody's ever gonna tank for an hour, right? Right. Like, uh, twenty minutes. Twenty minutes feels <laughs> like it, it could lead into an no, hour. I think, I think. I think that. Um, the tournament director would step in at like 50 minutes and be like, you guys have a minute to act in your hand because I'm calling the clock because yeah. the stream is going to, they wouldn't allow it to happen. Yeah. yeah. Right? So he, he, like they would just be like, listen, I have to call the, I'm, I'm, I am the clock. I am I'm the clock. And yeah. yeah, you have, because it's, your cards are going to be exposed in five minutes. So Do you think for heads up, um, when it comes to like in tournaments in general and less, maybe even the main as well, changing it from a time perspective to a hand perspective of like level changes i don't think that matters much well because like let 20 I think, minutes is a is like a decent amount of the level right it's a two-hour level playing these 10 percent yeah what if you play 10 20 minutes more than that well then you tanked again in a different hand for like 14 you're like 12 one sixth. yeah so one like six, one sixth of the uh, yeah. of the level yeah so it's a lot seven yeah, and a half right? percent so like i mean i'm not saying that it needs to happen for the main or should be implemented at all but like for Heads up formats, or, it kind of makes sense to just do it based off of hands and you switch blinds uh, every X hands that you want to see fit for the structure. Because that way, you always play the same amount of hands every level and it's easy because there's only two of you. Yeah. You don't have to police every table. You just. Well, the, it's, a, it's a problem for production. If you start to do that, then th- you absolutely have to implement a shot clock now. Right, because like if if they're just playing numbers of hands, the only thing that's speeding them up now is the fact that the level exists. Right. If you take the time level away, 
Now there's nothing that will encourage them to act faster. And right. taking 20 minutes on every decision is quite reasonable. Yeah. To both parties, especially for like Espen and Attenborough in this particular instance, yeah, yeah. who when understand the game so deeply. Right. And, you know, 100%, this could have been flipped where a scenario would have presented itself on the river where yeah, Espen was in the tank for 20 minutes and yeah. Attenborough would have respected that. Yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of, uh, I think it was jovial back and forth, but I also think he was being serious where Adrian was like, frustrated that Espen was taking so long pre in like uh, a single race pot. Um, uh -huh. And obviously it's insane after tanking for 20 minutes to <laughs> yeah, say like, now, hurry it up. up, man. But <laughs> it's not crazy because it is the simplest note. Like, like obviously Espen knows what he's doing with his preflop range facing a button yeah. open. And you know, whatever. I, I think that, I think Adrian was out of line. He didn't take that long. But, like, had he taken, like, two minutes preflop uh, facing just a single open, then, like, I think that that's probably not great. Mm -hmm. uh, he has every right to do it. But the only reason I'm saying I think it's not great is because that's just going to compound street by street. Yeah. Right? So it's like, if we can agree to play fast pre, then that affords us to take more time on the more complex decisions, which are going to be mostly turn and river. Right? Um with that said, I thought Espen handled the moment so beautifully. Like, he sat through that 18 and a half minutes as though he was on a tropic island somewhere. Oh, soaking in the sun. He said he was meditating. I believe him. I mean, definitely meditating. That's he said like he the does best this, like, thing you can do in that He moment. does an uh, exercise where, like, you like you think about different body parts. Like, uh -huh. yeah. like body scanning. scan. Kind of like scanning. Yeah, he's like, I would think of my, like, this, my, my, my index scan. finger, and then my middle finger, and then my ring finger. I would have been doing the total opposite, man. I would have been Shitting. there... I would have been there trying to Scott Seaver. Shitting your pants. I would have been trying to Scott Seaver the shit out of him. I would have been oh, yeah. like giving him fake shoulder shrugs. Like, <laughs> as soon as he like gives me like Berkey's sitting there twitching. He's like, yeah. Yeah. he's just like Looking staring at, at the board and like the second his eyes catch mine, I just give him like a quick blink. Like, give him the like heavy gulp. Like anything at that point, like after six minutes, I would just be like, what do I got to do, man? What do I got to do to get you to call in this particular spot? Uh, I'm, I'm mostly kidding. Like, obviously it's, it's way sharper to just remain mm. totally balanced in that spot <laughs> and, and hold your own. But it's a, it's a fun situation to be in when you know you have the nuts. You're mm. already all in. Yeah. Your, your opponent's in the tank. Just desperate to figure it out. Right. Honestly, I might have just got up and walked away from the table. I might have went and chilled with my that's rail. What I, that's what I was thinking. Just go over and hang with your rail. Just like <laughs> let me know what the final result is. Mm -hmm. Because like you can you can he should have gave him you give you you call it's gonna be all over, baby. <laughs> he should have gave him that. Like, well that kind of gives it away. Minute but fifteen. <laughs> that that kind of gives it away. But like I if know, you're but... able to uh if you're able to like just get up and go to your rail or whatever and just call it, right? Like, like say like whatever take as much time as you need I'll be over here kind of thing don't even say that just get up stand up walk away all his attempts to navigate live reads disappear because you're now like 20 yards away so it's not like you're gonna all you can think about is the fact that like he got up and walked away from the table but that means mm -hmm. nothing and he's not getting a read off Espen anyway yeah. <laughs> no of course not of course not but like uh, bluffing in that spot would be very uncomfortable oh yeah to sit there for 18 well, and a half minutes yeah. I don't care how much you meditate that would I know. be fucking that's uncomfortable that's why when Dobrik was bluffing and, and Attenborough was in the tank I was like god I feel for him yeah because that feeling does not that was only 8 good. minutes I know <laughs> this is 2 and a half it almost, it's like oh why did I do this this feeling is so terrible <laughs> and then there was that one hand where uh, someone jammed the turn in position for like 1.5x pot and just got snapped 
by the Jack. By the oh, Jack. I forgot to talk about that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, the fifth place finisher. That was like the fastest hero call of all time. Might be the greatest. Yeah, sorry, the sixth place finisher was Jeffrey Farns. Uh, or, or Farnas. Uh, I don't know what he knew. He knew in that particular spot. <laughs> he fucking knew. But like that turn card is not good for his hand at all. So the board was King Jack Deuce uh, Rainbow. He has Jack Five of Hearts for middle pair to back door. Uh, he check called a small bet um, out of Dobrik, and then on the turn ten of clubs, which is very bad for us. <laughs> very very bad for the Jack Five. We are not loving life here. He checks, and Dobrik moves in for $21 million into a pot of, I want to say, uh, 8, 10, 11, plus 4, 15. So he moves in for like one, uh, one and a quarter pots, and he just snap. Just <laughs> insta-calls. He called before the camera was even on him. Yeah. yeah. And Dobrik is like at stone bottom of range, but also has a hand that has like 40% equity. He has 9-7 of clubs. When you, see seven, when you have 7 out of clubs and you see you're a call by a 5, you're kind of... No, 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 by Jack. No, Jack. You're like, Jack, you're doing a fucking dance. So you're like, whoa. <laughs> I'm fucking live. Live as yeah. fuck. Live as fuck. Yeah, I don't know how he missed that one. Honestly, we might have seen a different main event champion if Dobrik holds there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's very possible. It's, it's certainly quite possible. That was a, a pretty crucial pot. I believe it cut him down to uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 60. million. I think it was 60 million. Down to 60? Oh, no, 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 you are right. You're all right. Yeah, I think the it cut him down to 30. Him. Yeah, you're all right. Uh, but had he wanted, he would have been up to like 80-ish. Um, yeah. So easily could have swung the other direction. Yeah, he had just uh, The final hand of heads up, ironically enough, our man Attenborough gets Jack 4 again. Uh, finds himself in a scenario. Uh, I believe this one was a limp pot. You know, early on when we first met him, I thought Jean Robert Balland was going to be a, a Phil type of presence, but Jean Robert is a whole different ball game. Yeah, and we love him. Yep. A couple of deuces on the board for your stat. Just limp pot small. Your stat. Trip deuces. Bro, two pair. Just a little bit. Four million. Come on in. Water's nice. Ooh. No. Let's turn the heat up on this spa. Small blind's going to release some of the deuces. Here with the big blind Annie with dead money in every single pot, I feel like they both can have a deuce at any time. Danger Will Robinson. <laughs> pair of fours. The board has some draws, though. that hoping to get Attenborough in trouble with that pair of fours again. Yeah, going about two-thirds. Horstat with the chip lead entering this hand. And Attenborough just not going anywhere yet. Bad news for Attenborough, 5% equity to the river. Almost 40% of the chips in play mm -hmm. in the pot already. And if you weren't feeling good about your hand. Yeah, a little birdie <laughs> boat on the end for your stad. On your stat, all in again, just as what happened. 
Yeah, he did actually win quite a few small pots after oh, that good folds. Yeah. All right, fuck. He <gasps> calls oh my and God. that is it. Fuck. I'm out. Espen turns over the boat and has planted the Norwegian flag at this main event for the very first time. Israeli Ron. <laughs> Israeli Ron is getting another tattoo as we speak. Um, that was a pretty interesting hand. Uh, honestly, if if uh, given the chance, I imagine that Attenborough would probably rather call the first one and fold the second. If just like presented the two hands in a vacuum and said like, what do you think of these two spots? I imagine the first one's probably a little bit more of a call. Uh, he kind of explained it a little bit in his post-game interview, which was uh, very strategic and I thought pretty sharp. Uh, he seemed to have a pretty good understanding of, of the way Espen would be navigating his button-raising range versus his limping range, although uh, the blinds had gone up over the course of that 18-minute tank, so their stacks were effectively cut from uh, 100 effective to 50 after Espen uh, doubled... Attenborough a few hands later. Um, but in any event, you kind of love to see the hero call to end it. Uh, very, very reminiscent of the Tony Miles John Sin heads up, with the exception being that Miles jammed the non trip pair. Yeah. And that Sin nit rolled the yeah. shit out of him yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with trips. I get it, big decision, a lot of money up top, but like, come on, you got, your hand's so good. I call yeah. you. Well, I mean, you know, this is the difference between two live guys that never play heads up, yeah. battling it out, versus two online guys that routinely study heads up. That three-back click is so nice from Aspen. It's yeah. so nice. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, he's going to have, like, ace three sometimes, we'll have some other, like, some cool stuff, like overs and gutters, but, man, having the deuce there and getting click, clicking and then ca getting called, it's like, oh, this guy's got a four. He's got a four or worse deuce. Yeah, yeah. That's and I think great. it's kind of one of those things where you get married to it, right? Because, like, turn is probably just a fold at a pretty high frequency facing a big bet. I don't know. I mean, the jack, the four is good. Like, you can't start folding. He's saying he's got a No, deuce, but the king's bad blocking. on the turn. Yeah. Or was it a king? It was, not, um, it was like an eight, right? An eight. Mm. River queen. Yeah, you could be correct. Anyways, like, the four is still a good hand. Drawing a, drawing a two pair. Like... Not that your two pair is effectively good, but like you beat some hands that need protection on flop, like pocket fives or whatever. But I like the hand a lot. I like the hand from both sides. It makes sense. Yeah, you're right. It, uh, it makes a lot of sense. And the three back click, I don't know if he was mixing for that one or just going to do it pure because like this time he had it and it's kind of some mind games here, there, whatever. I mean, and it's like, the main event. I think you just maximize always. Like maybe right? you just like only click. Yeah, like you just only click when you have the deuce in that spot, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's, well, it's not even weird. necessarily that. It's just you always click when you have the deuce. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't have the deuce, you just find some clicks. Yeah, you find right? these three. You yeah, find you just live with the fact that like maybe you have a little more value there than you should. Right. But it's like you only get the spot once. If, yeah. if there's any chance that we got him with a worse deuce here, right. like, let's, if, if let's you, fucking... If you cold decked him, you cold decked him, and then River Queen, just give me everything. Seal it, yeah. yeah. Fade the ace deuce. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I can. I mean, I'm sure, if, honestly, if Attenborough had a deuce, he probably would have four-bet clicked on him. Maybe. Maybe not. On him. I, I, people like clicking. You know, when you get the chance to click buttons, you click buttons. <laughs> if you have ace deuce there, you might four-bet. Oh, ace deuce, sure. But, like, maybe not with, like, ten deuce. Sure. And worse, sure. You know, it's a limp pod. Man, it's if like if you saw if you saw East Deuce there, 
Ace Deuce feels nice. Man, you would. You, Ace Deuce feels sometimes real nice. Sometimes you just can't help yourself. They just keep clicking until they both. Well, I mean, you know, Ace Deuce is Ace Deuce is the fucking nuts. Oh, now yeah. we're talking about a different kind of cooler. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, that River Queen really does us in. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's how. Yeah. In any event, I think we got the champion that we deserved. Either one of these guys would have been very fitting for uh, an ambassador of the game. Yeah. Uh, I think Attenborough was the more emotionally uh, relatable player. Uh, again, like <laughs> he he calls it and sees the bad news, and he just turns around to his rail and goes, "Fuck him out!" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, it's like, man, that's I, like such an online poker poker yeah. tournament reaction 100 percent like, oh, <laughs> it's just like you yeah. gotta forget your surroundings for a second it's like yeah. fuck yeah <laughs> i'm out like you you hero call you lose you kind of just like you like desk I mean, slam yeah. the most genuine the reaction you can yeah get I, I mean yeah like he showed some some level of emotion <laughs> has been fucking did <laughs> not just <laughs> he just bowed, bowed yeah he just bowed yeah, with yeah, grace he just wins the main event and just goes he <laughs> that was it I'm like that, that was, reaction said it all a ten million dollars up top. I don't know how big of a piece of it he had. I'm sure it was at least half. Just another fucking day at the office for this yep. man. Like I couldn't respect him more. And I know like that's not a popular opinion because like he's not flamboyant. It's yeah. It's not the most boisterous uh, celebration. But you know, to be fair. We cut a few quarters this year at the WSOP too. There were no streamers flying. There was no confetti from the ceilings. There was nothing like celebratory going on. It was the least, it was the most anticlimactic victory I've ever seen <laughs> in the history of our game. Just like, all right, guys, this won the main event. Let's go. Literally, yeah. smoothie time. Literally, he won, bowed to the crowd, and then there was a CBS mic in front of Attenborough and said, How's it feel to come in second? Yeah. I'm like, that was just fucking it. There was no balloons, there were no streamers, there were no fireworks, there was no loud noises, nothing to celebrate like this has just happened, and it couldn't be more fitting exactly. for the person who won it. He is just a cold-blooded killer who's in the lab 24-7, minding his own business, grinding in the gym, studying in the sauna, just like, honestly, what he's... Would it, what would it look like if I won? <laughs> <laughs> we get the toys. Everyone have toys. Everybody be blacked out. Chips in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will be blacked out. But yeah. But I mean, like for Espen, it's just like the. I I think like I'm gravitating towards it so much because it's so similar to the way that I view our existence. I guess right. It's like you know, there's some importance to the things that we do, but there's a lot more importance to the impact that we have to those around us and yeah. uh, more importantly to to like ourselves from within. So it's like this guy's life is just discipline and dedication and, you know, really pouring himself into his craft. And this is a shining moment that comes off of it. And I understand that inability to allow yourself to be happy or content with that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like no, no joke. Uh <laughs> So after he, like, he won, uh, it was kind of making jokes of like, what he could still play. He was like, oh, like, if you win fast enough, you might still be able to max lay reg to 10k 6 max, <laughs> even though they both started at the same time, so that couldn't happen. But after he won, I was like, there's a 5k turbo. Like, go play. He's like, yeah, honestly, he's like, swap 10? Like, sure. <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> but like, it was a non-zero chance he actually went to go play the Right, like, turbo. that's his victory lap. Exactly. And it was kind of the same thing with Corey. Like, I, I made the offhanded comment, like, oh, he's a terrible draft pick. He's way too rich now. There's no way Get he's going to put fucked. it. Yeah, there's no way he's going to put it in a big volume, right? And then I ran into him at, like, the 500 opening event, and the he's just like, the home I'm going to play a lot. I'm going to play a lot, and I'm I and it's like he cares. He had a sick yeah. summer, too. He had a super sick summer. Mm -hmm. He's so dedicated to his craft, and, like, 
his version of a victory lap is showing up and showing out and mm-hmm. like, you know, doing it consistently over and over again. And like, I just have the utmost respect for those type of guys that <laughs> are willing to not just put in the work, but then to, to acknowledge on the back end of success that though the work had something to do with it, they're not as special as would like to believe that they right. are. Not Even just, though they are. Yeah. Even though they 100% are. They're not just outright survivorship. Is this, right. is this because like if you won the main event, nobody would ever see you again? <laughs> no, no. I, I think, well, you wouldn't see me in. I, I, would, I would do what Corey did. I would show up the next year and I would start you playing play bigger. Yeah. yeah, I would just I'll start play bigger. playing bigger. Yeah, but yeah. like, yeah, I wouldn't be in the 5K turbo. No. The next day, yeah, like, depends if, you're, if you you do it if you felt like it would be fun, but no. you wouldn't do it because no. you wouldn't do it just because like oh I need to play the tournament. Yeah, I mean that stuff has never been quote unquote fun to me, and, and obviously like sure. I'm a little bit different. Like I pride myself in my cash game ability, and and that's my craft as far as I I think. Yeah. So it's like for me, it would oh, be yeah. it, it wouldn't be showing up to the five k turbo the next day. It would be like you know. Going and splashing at twenty forty as Blagio, that would be more fun to me. Ah, uh, I, I forgot you. Even I though I wouldn't do that, guy. I forgot you're a cash king guy. Because to yeah. me, it's like, oh, like I can fly for turbo sounds like a. But like, I also wouldn't like do cash. that. Yeah. Uh, I would have done that earlier in my career. Yeah, yeah. Like to earlier in my career, it would have. I would have wanted to win and then immediately surround myself with my peers. Yeah. Right, because it's a certain sense of belonging. Yeah. I think that allows you to remember that you're not special. And that's like, for whatever reason, that's the feeling that I crave is to constantly, you know, drive towards trying to do the impossible while constantly reminding yourself that like, you're not special. You're not the only one to do this. There are a million people like you that could easily be in the same situation. Cause I think it keeps you locked in, right? I, I think it keeps the target in sight where you understand that the opportunity is what's unique, not you yeah. actually capitalizing on it it kind of keeps you hungry a little bit a little bit yeah and, and you know as you get older I, I admittedly like that that fades um but what does it fade to yeah well you know whatever you just <laughs> the, the the actual the actual result is no longer as important as it used to be because mm. part of that result was surviving yeah and i think like for espen that's probably a big product of this like uh there was a story shared uh, i mean i guess he shared it but then it was reshared yesterday uh, about how he got wrecked yeah. in the crypto crash, specifically in the Luna, Luna. in the Luna Terra network. Yeah. He said he had like a million of his own liquidity tied up there, and that was the majority wow. of his net worth. And I remember running into him when the 25K was popping off early in the summer. And I had only planned to fire one bullet because I was trying to be responsible. And I was like, okay, I'm only playing average buy in a 10K. I'm going to take too much of myself in this 25K because I, I think having half in a really soft field is worth it. And I ran into him in the hall. <laughs> And I was like, are you firing? He's like, no, I'm going to go play this 500. And I'm like, bro. And he goes, I mean, it's just a pain in the ass. Like, I have to sell. I have to collect all the funds and, like, you know, uh, all this stuff. And I was like, I totally get that. Like, I don't blame you. I'm just saying we're all thankful you're not playing this event. Like, you're a favorite in that field. And I didn't realize how much he had been impacted by the crash, right? Like, I didn't realize, like, when he's saying, like, no, it would be a big effort to sell and stuff like that, that his average buy-in was probably down around, like, 3K instead of 10K or something like that. Yeah, maybe even less. But so he Pat, just... How many, how many bullets did you play in the 25K? Both. I mm-hmm. played twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not so one, two. instead of, oh. you know, 20K, or instead That's of 10K exposure, I had 25K exposure because I'm yeah. an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I don't regret it. It was a soft field. It was a very, very high EV spot. Um, in any event, though, 
you know, he kind of told his story later that like uh, he had lost so much of his net worth and he was going to be a lot more responsible and do what was necessary to grind his way back because even though he believed he had the talent to be in these higher buy-in games, he recognizes the variance of the spot and he recognizes that it's, uh, you know, just irresponsible to put yourself in a risk of ruin situation. And he was fucking out there, man. He was slinging it in the home wrecker for five days while all of his peers are battling in a 250-man field with a 1.5 or 2 million up top in a buy-in level that one year ago he 100% of the time would have played. Yep. It's like, that's a lot of fucking heart. Mm-hmm. And he was massively rewarded for it. He played a tag team event that on my worst fucking day I wouldn't consider playing. Like, not because the format's so bad or anything like that, but just because, like, who really wants to grind for four days in a $500 buy-in where first place is only going to net you 70K? I do. That's, that's the tortoise invitation. You should have played it with the tortoise. But I also don't play 25Ks. I would have made him play you the entire... You in the tag yes. team next, next year, Bart. You're playing the whole thing, Come on. buddy. Nice You're playing the whole thing. I'll let you close thing. it out. Yeah, you get us the final table, table, I will get a sixth place. I promise yeah, you. Will, I'll definitely, you. I'm definitely starting table, You will have six big blinds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it to the money. My I'll get you there with six big blinds. You take over. How about you get us to the bubble, and then I decide if we cash Actually. or not. Short answer, you this damn thing. Matt, you only come in for the bubble and final table. Yeah. You come in the bubble, you get like 20 big. I just want all the inflection points, and just know if you give me a short stack in those spots we're gonna bust it's yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to run it up. tortoise is gonna scrape you to the bubble with seven bigs and you're gonna get there and just no. like if we're sh- if we get to the bubble with seven bigs he's gonna have to pry those chips yeah, out yeah, of my yeah. cold dead <laughs> 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 honestly i wouldn't even want the seven bigs what am i gonna do yeah, yeah man i'm just not gonna fold queens two bracelets one series two bracelets one His series first series First series. Well, he crushed the online series as well last year. Yeah, last year he got fourth. Yeah, so they kept mentioning this on air. Lon was like, he has like 22 World Series of Poker caches. 20 of them were fucking on GG. He fucking crushed it. He he got six in the main for 600. Yeah, Yeah, that was his biggest score, he said, by 3x. And now he's maintained uh, his biggest score by 12x. It's going to be hard to top that. Almost impossible. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one to top the yeah. 10 million. Got to win like the Triton million or whatever. I don't even know if that counts. Uh, Whatever Bryn won. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If that ever that'll, runs that'll count. We'll, we'll count. The money, wand, the money launder special. You have to win the, the money yeah, launder special. The MLS. <laughs> yeah, you got to win the MLS. Yeah. And then when you the only way you can top the main event is if you're in some sort of money laundering campaign. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's just it. You, uh, and you call it, uh, yeah, you're uh, transitioning out of poker. You're a businessman. Right. Yeah, I mean, just to wrap this, uh, huge congratulations, Aspen. Uh, can't couldn't happen to a better guy. Bow, we bow. We bow <laughs> yeah, we just bow. We just bow. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Will you start happen. meditating now? Uh, I've meditated a plenty in the past. Uh, I've never enjoyed it. I could see myself forcing it into my morning routine again. I do think that... Maybe you'll want to die a little less if you... <laughs> you guys have no idea how sad this guy was well, yesterday, man. He wanted to end it all. I was not yesterday. Sad. He was eating a full sleeve of Chips Ahoy cookies. You were eating what? I had cookies. He had a moment <laughs> of weakness. Wow, impressive. It was not Down a moment sad. of weakness. Congrats, it, was, man. it was a choice. Congrats. It was a fucking just. Here's the irony. It's always a choice. I came here yesterday to work, and I was in such a good frame frame of mind. I walk in, and there are two cookie platters left over from from the event last week. Yeah, yeah. just full. Don't say they're gone, man. Come on. I look at them, and I put them in the trash. Wow. I walk them right out to the garbage, and I throw them away. I was like, I'm not having any of this shit today. Because they were stale. I made myself oatmeal. I came up here, and I started to get my work done. 
And I was like, okay, it's back time. Back out to the trash. Time. And he goes back <laughs> to the trash. And like a raccoon. Oh, no, 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 no. That no. garbage needs to go out, man. There's like, like bad meat and shit in there. It stinks. The tortoise and the raccoon. Uh, first of all, they're trash pandas. Let's call them what they are. Sure. Um, but, trash pandas, yeah. yeah. But it's like three o'clock and I was like, okay, like online starting huge day today. We have a 5K. We have a 500 bracelet. We have all this stuff going on. I'm going to go home and I'm going to grind. I go home and I sit down and I'm chip leading everything immediately. Like all four events I'm playing, I'm just fucking chip leading. Oh, six just likes, a good thousands bag. of blinds. Just I have like 500 big blinds in one of them. The opposite of the tortoise. Let's fucking go. Then it all goes to shit. It all goes to shit. Bro, I got scammed. Two events. I got scammed in all of them. <laughs> I ended up losing like 4K for the day. And now I find myself at the end of the night just eating a half dozen chips ahoy. <laughs> it, it was great listening. Uh, Matt and I we were sharing our. Uh, our condolences to each other in uh, certain hands were like, just have effective nuts, lose, get floated on twice, lose, have a check call, lose. It's like, well, I guess we're just going to get scammed again today. And then he just goes to the cookies and the Pringles and, uh, yeah. That's where it all fell apart. To be fair, there was only one Pringle left. No, uh, there's not. I saw you with a fistful of Pringles, Machi. I, I wish there was a fistful. Um, really, um, really high people. Who the hell Really high people. Don't you talk about us. Um... <laughs> really Bunch of people are asking how our summers went. Oh, we're talking about 25k too. Like numbers wise? Yeah. Uh, this has been dragging on. We, we can talk about this tomorrow. Right. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, we'll cover, we'll cover the way that the rest of our summers wrapped up tomorrow. Um, we have a lot to talk about. We have the Software Y fantasy draft. We have the 25k fantasy draft. Uh, we have our net results for the summer, which I still have to gather mine, but I know it wasn't great. Do I count my victory over you, Chin? We bet two, didn't? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And this ain't, this shit, this shit ain't on the tab, my G. No, so. Goddamn right, it's not on the tab. Do I count this? Do I count this to my like like my summer profit? No, and your swaps don't count either. Oh yes, they do. No, they don't. That's business. That business, baby. That's business. That's big business. That's the power of friendship. Oh god. No, it doesn't count. Here we go. The power of friendship. Uh, one last thing I want to discuss before we get out of here. Uh. Do you guys recognize how much Espen looks like actors? Yes. <laughs> That's so I mean, crazy. This is remarkable. That's so wow. crazy. He's the just guy, a young Jean-Claude Van Damme. The guy on the right is more olive. That's Jean-Claude Van Damme. I don't who that is. And he's clearly just walked out of a tanning booth. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I can't be the only one who sees it. Like, this is a spitting image. The Jean-Claude Van Damme is pretty crazy. I, th I think, like, it's, it's so funny that, That's like, I was able to find a pose that mirrored yeah. the, the doppelganger in both instances. Yeah. And, like, the pose itself really sells it. Like, in that position... I get no credit for the Jean-Claude yeah, No, 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 for sure. You saw it. You saw it. <laughs> that the one to me is, is like creepy yeah. similar. That's a really cool mm -hmm. name. That's his dad. That's such a cool uh, name. His dad is, it could be. I mean, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme was probably out be. there, yeah. you know, doing his thing a lot, so... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a JCVD. That's uh, that's, that's a you have to say. No, it's too cool. You don't. You can't JCVD it. You got a John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Jean Claude. It's such uh, a cool name. And then yeah, the guy from Inglorious Bastards is just like maybe Espen's an evil genius. Who knows? Just look, a genius. Look, he might be dark side. Who knows, man? This is remarkable. Come on, put sunglasses. I wish there was a way I could superimpose sunglasses. Oh, you on can that Photoshop guy. sunglasses on for sure. You can I can't. Ones. I'm not good enough. Melissa could. Hey, Melissa. But she would also put poop and pube somewhere yeah. in the, in the <laughs> yeah. graphics. So, like, we can't take that chance. 
Let me know. All right, that's going to wrap it for us today. Thank you guys so much for watching. Shout out to all the super chatters out there, all the Alpha Rex who tune in every single day. We appreciate you guys so much. Please like, comment, subscribe. It helps grow the channel. We got a lot in store for you this week. We're not stopping just because the World Series ended. We'll be back around the same time tomorrow. Look for us at about noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you guys then. Peace. Peace.